Speaking of accents, one of my favorites, Jimmy Page, in an effort to further explain why he's against his neighbor, singer Robbie Williams, putting an extension on his London mansion, <laughs> as well as an underground swimming pool. Page argues the construction of the Williams homes is, is uh, causing damage, and he pointed out a crack in one of the walls caused by the drilling. That's right. I'm not trying to stop people refurbishing their houses, whether it's Robbie Williams' side or the other side. It's more a question that they don't damage Tower House. And I seem to be the lone voice doing that. Right. I just want them to use nothing but rubber mallets <laughs> for the refurbishment. Basically, any tools that could have been used in Santa's workshop. <laughs> Tiny. Tiny, li Tiny little wooden mallets. Just a little chisel. I think Robbie Williams is a member of the Viet Cong. He's built an intricate series of tunnels <laughs> underneath my house. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's two minutes after six at DVE. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. 11. It is 70 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The CDC is keeping its eye on a measles outbreak that covers more than 20 states, including Pennsylvania. The health agency says 107 people have come down with measles. CDC says this year's total is likely to be higher than last year. 118 cases were reported. Measles spreads through the air when infected people cough or sneeze. Symptoms usually show up about 10 days to two weeks after a person is exposed and last for a week to 10 days. Symptoms do include high fever, cough, runny nose, and red eyes, followed by a rash that typically starts on the face and spreads to the rest of the body. Remember when all of the penguins had the mumps? Yeah. <laughs> what the that hell was, was crazy, that all yeah. about? And now, like, it used to be called hoof and mouth disease. What is it now? Oh, yeah. I Hand, don't... foot, and mouth disease. It's making its way through, like, right. the Mets and... They're... They're adding diseases. They're bringing diseases back. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get scarlet fever. <laughs> Scurvy. <laughs> uh, amusement parks all over the world are in celebration today for National Roller Coaster Day. So I guess you could celebrate by going to Kennywood today. The holiday reportedly commemorates the day in 1898. The, the very first patent for a roller coaster ride was issued. There are nearly... 1,500 coasters in the United States. The tallest one is over 450 feet tall. It's located at Six Flags in Jackson, New Jersey. What is it? I don't know. 400... I have no idea how tall that is. Wow. No, that's huge. I mean, I don't the know. The biggest drop at Kennywood, I believe, is the, uh, the Steel Phantom. Mm -hmm. And the drop is sort of built into the hillside. It's on the... It's like 280 feet. Oh, wow. So... Yikes. That's huge. Well, I'm sure all the ro roller coaster enthusiast groups will be uh, out in full force today. Is trying to be happy making you miserable? A 2017 survey found only 33% of Americans said they were happy. And the reason just may be we're trying too hard. New <laughs> research published in the journal Emotion found that focusing on happiness can make people more likely to obsess when negative things happen, leading to more stress. Study co-author says, happiness is a good thing, but setting it up as something to be achieved tends to fail. Our work shows that it changes how people respond to their negative emotions and experiences, leading them to feel worse about these and to ruminate on them more. <laughs> a New Zealand man in uh, a little bit of trouble after crawling under the hood of his car and riding through a car wash completely naked. 
the guy stripped down in the parking lot and jumped onto the vehicle just before it entered the car wash, according to witnesses. <laughs> Loud yelps could be heard as the brushes and spray cannons battered the naked ow, man. Ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would hurt. Ow! Ow! <laughs> he said he couldn't pass up a dare to go through with it. A woman on the scene said that he might have been on crack. Well, I mean, everybody might be, but <laughs> that guy, more than others, he... Uh... Mm-hmm. You know, when you smoke crack, you feel a little dirty. You're like, ah, I don't like this feeling. I feel icky. Well, he said he couldn't pass up a dare. I think he just... Yeah, I just couldn't pass up a dare. I'm not a truth teller. <laughs> I'm a dare taker. They uh, Hopefully, the hot wax option was not chosen. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> Finally, uh, we talked about this a little at the end of the show yesterday. Aerosmith set to launch a Las Vegas residency titled Aerosmith, Deuces are Wild. The 18 performance run will get underway April 6th at uh, 2019 at the Park Theater MGM Resorts with nine shows scheduled in April, five in June, and four in July. Tickets priced from $75 to $750, (laughs) and they go on sale on August 21st. Wow. Wonder wonder what price range Mark Madden's going to be in. He'll be in the big shot lounge, there's no (laughs) doubt about it. $750. Yeah, he was talking about that at the end of the show yesterday, saying he's going. Hopefully he'll get shined and waxed before he goes. (laughs) I mean, that's that's a big night. It is a big night. Scattered showers and thunderstorms. Some uh, could possibly contain heavy rain. 80 for the high today. It's 70 at DVE. Yeah, it is the DVE morning show. Our buddy Jimmy Schubert will be in a little bit later on this morning. And uh, also Rick Witkowski. He was featured in Rolling Stone yesterday. Our good friend Rick Witkowski. Yes. That was so awesome. Yeah. So we're going to have Ricky on to talk about what uh, his legendary band, Crack the Sky, is up to. And uh, also Stan Saverin later on this morning getting ready for tonight's Steelers-Packers game as well. Mike Pursuta is in Green Bay. We'll have Tim Benz with your sports this morning. And uh, let's celebrate that Aerosmith residency. Yep, the DVE Morning Show, Alice Cooper, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, Billy Joel did a uh, an interview with Entertainment Weekly, and he talked about going to Woodstock. He didn't play there, but he attended. He was in attendance. Yes. I went to Woodstock. I didn't play there, but I went up on a motorcycle, which was a good move because the highway was just a parking lot. I wanted to see Hendrix and The Who... But after a day and a half with no real toilet facilities, what am I, a bear? I have to go in the woods? (laughs) There was a lot of mud and people were smoking a lot of pot. At least I think that was mud. Taking a lot of acid. Uh, 500,000 people, of course, as you know. Well, my mom was there. Was she really? Oh, yeah. Did she ever make mention of the bathrooms? She hated it. She only makes mention of the fact that she got separated from the people that she went with, like, right away. And was basically by herself for the whole experience. Oh, And in an altered state. Yeah, for three days. <laughs> yeah. That's no fun. He Well, she didn't have any fun. Billy Joel didn't have any fun. He said, I didn't do anything back then. I drank beer or something. The first day I saw Santana, or was it Joe Cocker? I was dirty and itchy and covered with poison ivy, and I thought, just get me out of here. I got to go to the bathroom. It just sounds like such a Billy Joel thing. <laughs> yeah. You hippies really, look. It's it's such a practical review. I'm all about the naked chicks and everything, but, like, I got to take a deuce. <laughs> I got poison ivy. 
This sucks. Think old man Yasger will let me use his uh, commode? Hey, I got to hit the head. <laughs> what? Oh, hey. Just doing all the New Yorkisms up there. You know, everyone else's <laughs> peace, love, and understanding. He's acting like he's walking through traffic, hitting the hood of a car. I'm walking here. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to take a dime. <laughs> I got to I'm hopping on the D train. I got to go in the woods now. <laughs> I just think that's funny. How was Woodstock? I, I they know where to poop. That's how it was. How's that how sound they, to you? How did they they just had no idea that many people were going to show up. Cuz logistically that that was a an awfully planned event. Well yeah, I mean they, you know, it turned into a free event. Don't forget cuz they couldn't Accommodate it. Can't imagine how d- disgusting that place was after it was done. Yeah. Because we have footage from like the second Woodstock. Remember? Oh, that was and, like a mud bath. And it was just a mud pit, and yeah. there was, you know, they were charging $10 for water. And right. The porta potties were all filled yeah, to the brim. There's nothing in this Joni Mitchell penned song about having nowhere to poop. <laughs> That'll be in the remix. <laughs> Probably. The re-release. From Deja Vu. <clears throat> Pardon me. CSNNY. DVE. DVE Sports. Tim Benz filling in for Mike Pesuda with sports this morning on DVE. Benzie. Steelers have their second preseason game of the year tonight right here on DVE. I'll be on at 4 o'clock in advance of the 8 o'clock kick. We are brought to you by Xfinity by Comcast. Pittsburgh on the road in Green Bay and the hallowed halls of Lambeau Field. And Mike Tomlin excited about that. Oh, just the frozen tundra, Lambeau Field. I mean, you kidding me? Um, you know, if you're an appreciator of football and football history, you know, um, I, I know for me when I'm walking that tunnel um, to come out into that bowl, um, you know, there's an excitement associated with it because uh, I appreciate the ground in which I walk on. Well, you know, in my head, in my mind, you know, the snow will be coming down. You know how it goes. What was the coldest one you had there? Oh, man. Um, I, was with the, I was with the Vikings on Christmas Eve in 06 on a Thursday night. I was miserable. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot to make Christmas Eve miserable, but I think Green Bay in minus 20-degree weather qualifies, wouldn't you? For sure. It's Thursday night football. Right. Yeah, Thursday night football in and of itself, regardless of whether or not Santa is on the field yes. or not. Now, uh, Morgan Burnett is making a return to Green Bay already. The former Green Bay Packer that the Steelers signed in the offseason talks about going back to Lambeau so quickly. Every opportunity you get to step out uh, on the practice field or preseason is an opportunity to uh, go out and prove yourself because uh, everything's being evaluated. So it's anytime you get a chance to go out and showcase your skill set, it's an opportunity you got to make the most of. I know baseball stadiums are bucket list items. Is there another NFL stadium that's a bucket list item for you guys besides Lambeau or no? Uh, or is, does Lambeau even qualify? I mean, Lambeau qualifies for the historical for sure, nature for of me. it. I mean, there are more newer attractions that now make the list like i think everybody wants to get an idea of what jerry's house is like down at dallas because the sheer size yeah i'd love to go to the seattle uh stadium just for kickoff yeah i mean it looks you can leave after leave after the flag is flying you can just walk out at that point as you're driving into town in seattle and you look at that stadium it is it is cool looking man it it really is looks like the spaceship landed out of nowhere yeah it's Mm -hmm. very cool 
Yeah, Lambo to me was uh, okay, not great. Like it, it didn't feel the same to me as Fenway or Wrigley right. or the original Yankee Stadium. And when that, first that's went to really the comparison. There's no other football comparison still around. Soldier Field is not Soldier Field. Right, Soldier Field isn't even the same, really. Yeah, so. San Fran doesn't play in Candlestick anymore. Right now, Oakland is theirs for the purposes of going the other way to feel like you've stepped back in time you could go to black hole to a bad time yeah if you wanted to go and sit in the stands that's entirely different that's like going to wrigley and the bleachers without the aesthetics you know without the good karma (laughs) now as for the steelers on the field their defense will be tested by aaron Rodgers, who wants to play a little bit in front of the home folks and burnett talks about how that could help the steelers defense in terms of preparation uh it it should be fun it's gonna be different first time as a visitor player but you know you get to see everyone that, that was there with me all my eight years there and I uh, get to see my old teammates and uh, be back in Lambeau Field, which I know is going to be a packed house, whether it's preseason or regular season. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Every opportunity you get to step out uh, on the practice field or preseason, it's an opportunity to uh, go out and prove yourself because uh, everything's being evaluated. So it's anytime you get a chance to go out and showcase your skill set, it's an opportunity. You got to make the most of it. All right, so that'll make uh, Jalen Ramsey happy. He can at least watch Aaron Rodgers, one of the few good quarterbacks that exist in the National Football League, in his opinion. Did yeah. you check out that story from GQ? Uh, yeah, our, our, uh, just amazing uh, interview with Jalen yeah. Ramsey. It's really fun to read. I, I like having guys like this in the NFL. So he pops off when he's asked about quarterbacks across the league, and he said that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are good. When it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, though, who won't be playing because of a concussion and frankly wasn't going to play even before he got the concussion, he says of Ben, I think he's decent at best. It's not Big Ben, it's Antonio Brown. Big Ben slings the ball a lot of the time. He just slings it and his receivers go get it. He has a strong arm, but he ain't all that. I played him twice last year and he really disappointed me. He'll be in the Hall of Fame and all that. And then just ends the sentence. Mm-hmm. Some of these young guys have no context beyond their exact experience. Like, right. does does he understand that Ben has two rings that predate AB? Yeah, Hall of Fame and all that. But now I guess he's, he's decent. Maybe, maybe this is a nice way of saying he's still got a little something left, but otherwise I think he's washed up. That's It's fun, though. I like it. Oh, yeah, because they're on the schedule, so he's going to have to answer the bell for that. Last year, Ben threw... Six interceptions and had a strip sack fumble against them. So seven turnovers, but he also threw for five touchdowns and 463 yards in the playoff game. Other quarterback CSSs include Matt Ryan, who's overrated, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's, quote, all scheme, Joe Flacco, mm-hmm. who sucks, Josh Allen is trash, and Andrew Luck isn't all that good. Luck has a 137 passer rating when throwing at Jalen Ramsey <laughs> his career. Trash. Josh Allen is trash. Garbage. And he went on some rant about how Josh Allen isn't any good, and the basis for his premise was how poorly he played against Iowa State and the six interceptions that he threw. The two problems with those details are he never played against Iowa State, nor did he throw six interceptions. But hey, close enough. Other than that. Other than that, completely spot-on accurate <laughs> comparison. Uh, Pirates lost to Minnesota 6-4. to Chris Archer was tagged for four earned runs and five-plus innings. Edgar Santana struggled out of the bullpen. On the plus side, Elias Diaz homered in the loss. Buccos now 61-60, and 60, six back in the wild card. The Cubs come to town tonight. Avon Nova against John Lester. The Cubbies will throw nothing but lefties at the Pirates. And it sounds like uh, Pitt has glommed onto something from the Steelers last year. Did you see this thing where they're putting out there, well, Kenny Pickett has thrown no interceptions so far in training camp, kind of like they did with Big Ben last yeah. year? He hasn't thrown a pick the entire training camp. 
So, in other words, you can look for Kenny Pickett to be really good for the first four weeks of the season and then throw five interceptions in week five, I guess, is how that's going to go. I don't know. Say maybe I don't have it anymore. Yeah, they don't walk away saying, you know what, as a sophomore, I just don't have it anymore. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the old Cowboy doesn't have any bullets left. Penn State, like week two for them? Yeah, and the uh, game is already sold out, and uh, Heather Like was kind of pontificating about that, and all the Penn State fans took to Twitter and simply said, you're welcome. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, blue and white in the stands. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, it's, it's, that was one of the more fun times I've had at Heinz Field. Was the Pitt Penn State game a couple years ago? So I'm looking forward to at least. Well, one more. like I always say that you know with Pitt Penn State, it's it's not the rivalry that people want it to be. Uh, it's just not. It would be great if they played each other and developed into it. It's not there right now. It's, There's still you know, like a hate though that between the fans and the alum, right? Oh yeah, I mean, there's more Western, there's more Penn State alumni in Western Pennsylvania than Pitt alumni, right? Um, but it's the Don Draper thing that I invoked. Uh, I think maybe last time you were on this show, where you know Penn State or Pitt fans in the elevator are screaming about, you know, we should have this back together again. This is the rivalry, and you know, you're doing this out of spite, blah blah blah. blah. And Penn State just looks at him and says, I don't think about you at all. You're just not on the radar. But that is the ultimate comeback that they have. I don't know how sincere it is, particularly for the Penn State fans that live here. The Penn well, State the Penn fans, State fans that live here, I will grant you that. I think they care about it more than they want to admit, but the trump card is always saying, I don't care enough, I care about Michigan. And Pitt doesn't have Michigan. Right. Pitt doesn't have you know, another natural rival in conference that they really, really care about. Exactly. and Because they don't have West Virginia anymore. Even if they did, West Virginia isn't as big of a deal as Penn State is. Is that sports? I don't know why they don't have West Virginia anymore. Yeah. Getting rid of the backyard, backyard brawl is one of the dumbest things awesome, ever. Right? I mean, I think West Virginia, West Virginia fans enjoyed and would enjoy again that rivalry. I think West Virginia fans feel more displaced in the Big 12 than Penn State fans do in the Big Ten. Oh, for certain. So that would bring them back. That would anchor them more. Just have. I like having that one non-conference rival that you can cling on to. And it's just a moneymaker too. I don't know yeah. why the schools wouldn't want to do it. As a basketball example, I know like when the Big East broke up and uh, Syracuse no longer had Yukon uh, or Georgetown. I-, I love getting those teams out of conference now at the right. very least once a year and flip flop it every year. So. Uh, embrace it while you got it and just have fun with it. And I think Penn State fans do around here anyway. Tim Benz filling in for Mike Pursuta with your sports this morning. Val's got news coming up at the top of the hour. Is your phone killing your love life? We'll talk about that. Showers and thunderstorms possible 80 for the high today. It's 70 at DBE. Our buddy Jimmy Schubert's going to be at the Arcade Comedy Theater Friday night. He'll be live in studio with us. 8-15. But that Carolina team, I don't know. Ben put up 340 on him. He put up a lot against us too. Yeah. I was front row for two of those shows that he put on. It was inc- he's an incredible quarterback. That's yeah, speaking of uh, film session, how'd your tackles do? Not, not, hey, the the film session after the Pittsburgh game this year was um, a lot of me going one on one with Antonio Brown in the open field. And if you zoom in really close, you can see me saying, "I don't have a chance in hell right yeah. here." You can actually see me saying it if you zoom in. And I didn't. I was I was right when I said that. <laughs> and he just took it. And that's when he ran to the house into the upright. If you remember. yeah yeah he, he so every he, he ran nailed himself. Yeah, and there was a person on the other side. He grabbed yeah. yeah. And you was, you were the that was your punt. I was so thankful. I was so thankful that a vine is only six seconds, and the six <laughs> seconds was right after he beat me. So the vine was of him running, and that 
Nobody even remembers that I'm laying on the ground about 10 yards behind that situation. It's great news for me. But, boy, that was an awful thing. Well, you had about three guys miss that are supposed to tackle them, so. Yeah, five, I think. I think it was five. But, uh, thanks, thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Former Colts punter Pat McAfee there talking about uh, having AB return one of the house on him. And, uh, of course, Pat now has his own show on Barstool Sports. And we're hoping to connect with Pat a little more often this football season. Tons of stuff planned. For this Steelers season uh, coming up here, which is only a few weeks away. Tonight, of course, game two of the preseason at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. An 8 o'clock kickoff. Uh, the pregame starts at 4 o'clock here on the <laughs> flagship. Tim Benz, Dale Lawley, Rob King. And then they hand it over to Mike Pursuta, Bob Labriola, and Jerry Dulac. Who in turn hand it over to the triumvirate of broadcasting. Bill Hillgrove, Tunch Ilkin, and Craig Wolfley. Wolfley. Steelers Packers football's back tonight on DVE. Yep, the Steelers are back at it tonight an 8 o'clock game against the Packers in Green Bay. A rematch of the Super Bowl tonight too, I believe. The Patriots Ooh. and the Eagles, Nick Foles. Oh, I thought I just immediately went to the Super Bowl where we played the Packers. Oh yeah, that also a Super Bowl rematch. Maybe tonight's on. Maybe the NFL scheduled a bunch of these. I, I'm not aware. I don't pay too much too much attention to the scheduling in the preseason. No, not at all. Um, but I'll tell you this much: I don't remember a hard knocks that has created as many waves as this one has in just two weeks. And most of it surrounds our offensive former offensive coordinator Todd Haley. You mean the greatest guy in the world? He's the star of the show. He's the most interesting man in the universe. He kind of is. Kind of looks like him if that guy was bald and rode mechanical bulls. <laughs> I don't always ride mechanical bulls, but when I do. It's in a bar full of 21-year-olds. <laughs> and I break a hip. Val has news coming up next. Uh, is your phone killing your love life? I think probably everybody knows the answer everything. to that. <laughs> we'll talk about it coming Comedian up. Comedian Jimmy Schubert live in Studio 850. Billy Joel did a uh, an interview with Entertainment Weekly, and he talked about going to Woodstock. He didn't play there, but he attended. He was in attendance. Yes. I went to Woodstock. I didn't play there, but I went up on a motorcycle, which was a good move because the highway was just a parking lot. I wanted to see Hendrix and The Who, but after a day and a half with no real toilet facilities, what am I, a bear? I have to go in the woods? <laughs> think old man Yasgur will let me use his uh, commode? Hey, I gotta hit the head. <laughs> what? Oh! Hey! Just doing all the New Yorkisms up there, you know? Everyone mm-hmm. else's peace, love, and understanding. He's acting like he's walking through traffic, hitting the hood of a car. I'm walking here! <laughs> <laughs> Trying to take a dom! Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> That's all I can picture. I'm Billy. walking here! <laughs> Billy Joel just tripping over hippies laying on the ground. But I have him pictured in my head as John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. Uh, oh, I think he probably was a little closer to that back <laughs> hey, then than he is doing? now. I'm walking over here. Hey. Val's got your news right now on the DV Morning Show. Valerie, what's going on? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 70 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A petition is circulating to remove Cardinal Donald Wuerl's name from North Catholic High School. That in the wake of the grand jury report into sexual abuse in the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania. Wuerl's name was mentioned nearly 200 times in the report, accusing him of leading a massive cover-up while serving as Bishop of Pittsburgh. Wuerl's name was added to North Catholic when the school moved there from 
from Troy Hill in 2013. It moved to Cranberry. Yeah, I know that he tried to get out in front of that report and issue some statements, and it's just, it's not flying. And Beaver County's former DA is under investigation, accused of covering up sex abuse by abuse by the priests. The current DA announced yesterday the probe into Robert Masters, who was named in a grand jury report as having political motivations to not prosecute pedophile priests in the 60s. Masters was also fired yesterday as a solicitor for Beaver County Children and Youth Services. He told Channel 11 he didn't prosecute the priests because their crimes happened outside the county. First, we are told too little sleep is killing us, and now research says too much sleep could be even worse. (laughs) A study published in the... What's that? No, it couldn't. No, it couldn't be any worse. Uh, The study uh, published in the Journal of the American Heart Association found that for adults, sleeping more than seven to eight hours was linked to a higher risk of death. Those who slept nine hours per night had 14% higher risk, and it shot up to 30% for those sleeping 10-plus hours a night. I think you got probably bigger problems if you have, you're have you sleeping 10 hours every night. Yeah, massive depression. It might not be Chronic because you're mono. sleeping. Sleeping might be a symptom of the thing that is right. going to kill you. other issues. <laughs> Everything in moderation. I wish you could just catch up on sleep, though. I wish that it was cumulative. Oh, I know. Like, you could split up your sleep. Like, so we have this job so we can work on little sleep and then go have another four hours of sleep after the show. I just looked in the last commercial break at that app on my phone that tells you how much sleep you got. Just had a middle finger emoji. (laughs) It was just... It was just that crying, leave Britney alone guy. <laughs> that was all it was. You get no sleep. Five hours. Ooh. That's not great. It's, Six that's would be a And I, I wasn't like, I didn't stay out and about or anything. Oh, just, I'm hovering at about five at night. Solid, straight, uninterrupted? I didn't say that. Yeah. A lot of tossing. Do Can you know, I come over and sleep in your bed one night and put your phone on my so it tells me how I'm sleeping? You betcha. I'll I'll sleep on the other bed. Yeah, will that, you come over and sleep in her me. RV? I'll sleep in your With camper. Tim. You can have my bed. I'll Move go over, Tim. Share some covers. I'll go camping at your house. And you can have uh, would, the sleep number bed. Yeah, I'd love to get the, I think the I, data for my sleep. I think I screwed up because I, I like... Someone told me, like, because I was having lower back issues. Like, dude, you got to make that sleep number bed. You got to jack it up to, like, you know, 85 so or hard. 90. So it's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. And I've been trying to do that. And I'm waking up every day. And I really do feel like I slept on stone. I don't know why I'm doing it. So I think that's why I got five hours. So it's so Were you stupid. sleeping better before that? I don't, you know, I just don't sleep very well. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. I don't think anybody, I don't know. No, my husband sleeps pretty well. Oh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> no, he sleeps I, like he's in a coma. I was gonna I'm say so I envious. picture him sleeping with his mouth wide open. No, not too much. No, he doesn't snore. No? No. Huge snakes going in and out. <laughs> he's All just the wildlife coming by to feed. <laughs> he's one of those lucky people who sleeps soundly. That's awesome. I mean a gnat could fart outside and it wakes me yeah, up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, those gnats really do bust ass pretty loud. <laughs> but so too much sleep, bad. Not enough sleep, yes. bad. But to hey, Bill's moderation. earlier point, if you could back up and, and like bank sleep within a seven-day period or something like that, 
How great would it be to be like, yep, this weekend I'm just going to make up for all of it. No worries. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. We need to no. have like an uh, old age camp for radio people. <laughs> for what? Just because we're going to be too crazy for regular people to deal oh, with. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. We're just going to be bumbling like, you know, half attention span morons. Mm-hmm. Well, we already it. are. So. At least two or three <laughs> moments a day where I walk into a room in my mind and it's empty. There's not one thing in it. Like, I'm talking, and I'm in a train of thought, and then it's tumbleweeds. Yeah. I'm like, what was I just going to say? Yeah, well, you know. I mean, look, there's a lot of people who don't sleep, Mm -hmm. but we have screwed ourselves up in this country thinking that this is the way to do it. (laughs) We really have. Let's just all decide to go to work whenever we wake up. There you go. Everybody. that's perfect. There would be no rush hour? Nope. There's a bad rush hour going on right now. I can tell you that much. I know 79 is kind of jacked up from it's, the traffic report. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it a lot. I don't like it a lot. They need a roundabout. Uh, is your phone killing your love life? A new study found that and no sleep is probably contributing mm, yeah. to. A new study found that 75% of Americans who live with their spouse or partner bring their phone to bed with them. I'm surprised it's not almost 100%. Hold on. I'm checking my love life app. It's just a middle finger emoji. Those people bringing their phones to bed at night are twice as likely to spend time on their phone than they are to get romantic with their significant other. Have you seen that modern art where it's like two people in a loving embrace, but they're just looking at their phone over the person's shoulder? Totally (laughs) not shocking to see that. Accurate. In fact, being on the phone was the number one activity for couples during the last hour before bedtime. And this is sad. 25% of those surveyed said the very last thing they see before they close their eyes at night is their phone, not their significant other. Right. But who goes to bed at the same time? Do normal people do that? I don't know. Do normal couples go to bed that's, together? Couldn't answer it. I'm not a normal. We don't. That's, we don't have a normal thing. Nobody going on. is anymore. Well, that's what I'm asking. Like because we go to bed really early. This is back to the sleep. So my husband doesn't want to go to bed early. But do normal people... What's early, Val? What are you talking about? Well, 7 o'clock would, at night? To me, I think most people go to bed at 11. You, little, yeah. Little, 11 or 11.30. 11 11 10, 10, 30, 11, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not when... I, I try to be in bed by 10.30. It never works. Val wanted to have dinner out at training camp at 4. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what do you want she me to do? wanted to do the early girl Yeah, we special. sat down right. at Sharky's at like 7.30. She's like, She's can't like, do it. I can't hey, eat. I can't eat right now. I'll be sitting in the I'm supposed to be in the first. Two hours ago. I'm supposed to be in the first trimester of sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> but do couples who work like nine to, both work nine to five jobs or seven to three or whatever, do they go to bed together? N- none that I know of. Like, can't not, answer that. Not like regularly. I think we had this perception from like, Television sitcoms, and yeah. sitcoms that, like, you know, everyone goes to bed at the same time, but the reality of and it they is. they put hand lotion on and talk about their day and yeah, the kids. Right. And, right. As they're taking off their watches yeah. and things. And, and the reality of it is one of them goes, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. And the other one goes, good. I don't want to be around <laughs> anybody for a little bit. I'm staying up. Don't fart a bunch before I get up there. <laughs> don't wake me up when you get in to bed. Couples spend on average, or couples spend an average of three nights a week watching separate screens while in bed. 
55% of couples say they feel they're missing out on quality time with their partner because of phone use. Those screens are the they're bad. It, at a minimum, you have to have the uh, the nightshade thing kick in at like seven or or eight o'clock rather. Right. So the, the glow. So it takes away a little of that blue light uh, that tricks your brain into staying awake longer. It it really. It's scary when you listen to that guy, Matthew Walker, talk about like, you know, that most recent study about sleep and phones and yeah. televisions. You shouldn't be looking at anything for like two hours before you try to go to sleep. I know. I know. Who, does, who can do that? Well, the thing is, is that now my my uh, sleep patterns are just a, a series of stages of screens before I go to bed. Like I'll be <laughs> on my computer and then I'll watch some TV and then I'll finish it off with the phone. Yeah. Yes. Sounds pretty accurate. Thirty-five percent say their sex Wait, life. I didn't mean that the way it sounded. I'll finish it off with my then phone. I just, uh, and then I polish uh, one uh, off uh, with my phone. <laughs> I mean, you should do it the other way. Yeah. Thirty-five percent much bigger screen. Say their sex life has been affected because of their or their spouse's bedtime phone use. Thirty-three percent have discussed the need to reduce phone use in the bedroom to stay better connected. 93% keep their phone within an arm's reach at night, which, like, I use mine as my alarm clock, so Me too. I have to have it. Mine yeah. is literally perched on one of those alarm clocks that charges your phone. Yeah. Uh, 10% keep their phone under their pillow. <laughs> to really expedite the brain cancer manifestation. And also to have, like, a, a, a sound effect of a gun if an intruder comes in. You know how people keep their guns under their pillows sometimes? Or only me? I grew up in the city. Sorry. It's so you can dream in Instagram filters. Forget root beer floats. Now you can have red wine floats. With ice cream? You start with dark chocolate raspberry ice cream. Did you just invent this or is this a thing you're reading? I did not. It's on Delish. Uh, Start with chocolate raspberry ice cream. Then add red wine, seltzer, and top with chocolate syrup. Sounds so it's like disgusting. sangria ice cream. Is there sangria ice cream? No, but no. Th- that's no, what that is. Did you just admit that? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's what it's like. I mean, those ingredients. Well, give it a shot. Sure. Sounds okay. gross to me. No, yeah. Sounds prob- super gross. Probably terrible. The other night uh, we went out for ice cream and my niece got bubblegum ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the grossest thing I've ever heard. Like, did you taste bo- it? Oh yeah, it was, was it so nasty. It's like that's not even in the realm of ice cream flavor. No, no. stick with the original thirty-one. Yeah, go OG with the ice cream. Do they the- still have friendlies up in Erie? I don't know, but that was one of the best hot fudge Sundays ever had in my life. Every time we went to Mill Creek Mall, we went there for a hot fudge Sunday. It was so good. We would go to the LBs in the mall. And then we would go to Friendly's for a Sunday. I don't know how good it was or wasn't, uh, you know, compared to other ones, just because there was, I don't remember really getting hot fudge Sundays at too many different places. Yeah. That was like... That was a tradition. Oh, yeah. What's that ice cream spot up in Meadville that's like world-renowned? Oh, Brewster's? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> TCBY, I think it is? <laughs> no. no. There's a place in Franklin that's been around since before I was born, probably called Polly's. And it's between, well, it's between Franklin and Meadville. I feel like it's something with an H. I'm going to look at it. I up. don't know. <laughs> we are not smooth right now. <laughs> we are a bunch of clunking synapses 
trying to form a complete coherent thought <laughs> and being completely. T- we are. We Hanks. Are, it's Hanks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie James Dio with Rainbow there, who would give way to Joe Lynn Turner as the singer of Rainbow. He was the second one, which was. Uh, which was. Didn't he have a solo band too? Was that Street of Dreams? Rainbow? Double Rainbow. I think so. Yeah. No. All I know is that when Joe Lynn Turner played the Syria Mosque years ago, my two older brothers went to the show and it was uh it was Rainbow with I wanna say Jeff Beck or something like that. And I remember being all excited for them. I would have loved to have gone and I was you know, I was too young. And I was like, how was it? And my older brother's like, Joe Lynn Turner had a comb in his back pocket and he kept going off stage and combing his hair. <laughs> He's crazy. He's like, no, he was so disappointed. He's like, what a wuss. <laughs> Gotta be tough and sweat and get gross like Ozzy. Look like you might need to be resuscitated. Bite the head off a bird. What did you just look up there about? Uh, I was looking up what songs Joe Lynn Turner sang. Street of Dreams. Yeah, I thought Stone Street. Cold. Stone Cold was the other one. Yeah, okay. Um, Mike Pursuta is already in Wisconsin. He was uh, chronicling his bar hopping last night through the old drinking establishments of the Lombardi era. Tonight, I'm sure you'll hear some of that invoked in his pregame Are You Ready for Some Football? monologue as it uh, precedes the uh, pregame on DV, which starts at 4 o'clock with Tim Benz and uh, Dale Lolly and Rob King. Benzie filling in for Mike Pursuta with your sports when we come back since Mike is already up in Green Bay for tonight's game. Uh, you'll hear about the prep for that one tonight, what you can expect from the Steelers and the Packers. Also, Jalen Ramsey making some comments that are making waves across the country about NFL quarterbacks, including our own Ben Roethlisberger. And he was not exactly kind to number seven. Ben will have the full, or Benzie will have the full report on Ben. And more coming up next. DVE.com. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit is already in Green Bay for tonight's Steelers Packers game. Tim Benz here with a sports report filling in on DVE. And it is brought to you by Citizens Bank tonight, 8 o'clock. Packers and Steelers. So 4 o'clock here, DVE. It's the pregame show. Rob Kingdale, Lolly, and me. We'll hand things over to Pursuit of Bob Labriola and Jerry Dulac at 6. Kickoff with Bill Hillgrove, Tunch and Wolf at 8 o'clock. One thing to keep in mind here, you're not going to see a lot of Steelers stars again, like Ben Roethlisberger, who is apparently on the trip, coming out of concussion protocol soon, people hope, at least made the travel with the team, so that's a good sign. But he wasn't going to play anyway. Even Landry Jones wasn't going to play anyway, which was, I thought, kind of interesting. That yeah. was. It's an obvious thing to me that they want him to be the number two quarterback well for some it wasn't obvious i mean there were reports the other day like oh who knows what they're going to do with or yes they could be protecting him for a trade they put him in bubble wrap in case somebody else gets hurt or they're trying to showcase josh dobbs he made some strides maybe in week one hey who wants to give us a pick for this quarterback maybe he has another good preseason game somebody gives him a sixth round pick for a team that wants quarterback talent let him play a little bit more that's another theory that's out there but um yeah, I was a little surprised. Usually they have at least the backup quarterback mm-hmm. get some reps in every game. I don't think they're going to be putting Landry Jones out for out to market. That, that's just not no. going to happen. No, not Landry, no. No. Dobbs, yeah, possibly. But people talking about like, oh, no, they're going to be happy with Mason and Dobbs. Like, Mason has already been crowned as being like the the successor without having really done anything yet. 
Yeah, he he's had some good practices in a stunted training camp that was like affected by weather nonstop. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo was deemed to be the guy that was going to replace Tom Brady, and a couple years later, he wound up in San Francisco. So it's not entire. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But they also, I don't remember them crowning Garoppolo until he'd actually done something. Well, Belichick always had it in the back of his mind, but in Brady his and evil Robert scheming Kraft. mind, <laughs> some different ideas. This is the next one that's going to carry on. But don't really you coming. think that if 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 Ben goes down for any significant portion of time, the season's over no matter what? Significant portion, yes. But, I mean, it's a 16-game season, so what's significant portion? Like five or six? Five or six, yeah. I think the season would catch up to him by that point. Three, like it did with Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. Three, you can get by with Landry maybe. Even if you win one of them, that doesn't kill you, especially if it's early in the season and you've got time to make it up on the back end. I think Landry can get you by for three, maybe four. You get beyond a quarter of a season, though, without your starting quarterback, that's where it starts to take a dive. Because I just don't know. Like, I feel like they lost all confidence in Landry when in that um, Cincinnati game where basically they had to bring back a dead-arm Ben. I think that hurt, but at the same time, I think he got some confidence back with the way he played at times last year, like in the Browns game. What was he, 24 or 27? Yeah. You know, I know it was the Browns, but, I mean, I also think that got them to thinking, well, at least we can rely on him for one more year. Mm -hmm. They're not going to pay him. Like, they're not going to give him that much money against the salary cap next year to keep him. I think it's also part of the reason why they decided to go out to get Rudolph. Right. But you're also not going to see the tight ends. And that's something I wrote about today in the Trib. Now, Jesse James, uh, this clip goes back to the start of camp. All right, take a listen to how enthusiastic, well, by James's standards anyway, he is about the tight ends being used more often in the Steelers' offense this year under Randy Feetner. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Vance has a full camp with us, so um, you know, going into the season, we'll know what he's able to bring to the offense a little bit better than we were whenever he showed up a week before Cleveland last year. So, having you know a good base, having three three solid tight ends, and having played a lot of ball, um, it's going to help us. Here's the problem. That didn't happen. Vance McDonald hurt his foot. He's been out almost all camp again. Xavier Grimble, uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to on the team, hurt his wrist. So now it's back down to just Jesse James again. So I asked McDonald right before Mike Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday before camp broke up in Latrobe, have the alleged plans to expand the tight end's role been dented by the fact that he's been hurt and Grimble's been hurt? Uh, no. Um, you know, training camp's all about you know, seeing the guys that you bring in and what they're capable of doing. So you know, that just gives the young guys a chance to you know, develop their role and see what their skill set is. So no, it hasn't slowed it at all. That's Alejandro Villanueva in the background there suggesting the one-word answers. So that's what McDonald said, right? All right, nothing's changed. Here's Mike Tomlin about 15 minutes later at his press conference. We'll probably gain some understanding about the totality of that as we push through the process right now. Like I said, we're just a third, uh, a fourth of the way through uh, the preseason games themselves. I'm sure it has affected in some way the totality of that. Uh, we won't know until we're further down the road. So the coach turns around 15 minutes later and says, I don't know, maybe it has. We'll see. I, I think... It, it'll slow it at least in September, mm-hmm, and, and that's sure. when they needed him the most because Lev Bell's coming back again after his holdout. Remember how that looked last year in the passing game? They're not quite sure what they have at wide receiver to replace Martavis Bryant. I thought early in the year especially was when you might see the tight ends more, and the hope was there was momentum built. James had that big game in December against the Ravens. McDonald had the big playoff game against the Jaguars, and now it's kind of back to, well, it's just Jesse again, and that's a little underwhelming when she said yes. Yeah. Uh, as far as baseball goes, the Pirates lost the Twins yesterday, six to four. The final score. Uh, did you hear about the Ronald Acuna brawl by any chance? 
The, no. uh, the leadoff hitter for the Atlanta Braves got plunked. Oh, in the got very plunked first... by a scrub, right? Yeah. No, Hadn't uh, he hit three leadoff home runs? Right. In five games in a row, he's homered. So it starts a bench-clearing brawl. The Braves are ticked. You're throwing at our guy, obviously. They threw the pitcher out. They threw the manager out. At some point, though, check out this analysis from Keith Hernandez, the Mets broadcaster. I'm Keith Hernandez. Who said, <laughs> it's a great idea. In today's game, they don't throw with hitters. I don't think the hitters know. So they don't know how to get out of the way of a ball or know it's coming. And when you hit three home runs, I'm sorry. you got to go down. You're going to lean over the plate? You're going to let him put a whooping on you? So it's his fault that he got hit because uh, he didn't get out of the way fast enough. What they he need to start doing in it. spring training is throwing wrenches at these guys. <laughs> dodgeball, like rip torn and dodgeball. So teach them how to get out of the way of a ball. Oh, and by the way, uh, we skipped over this. Sorry about this, but Jalen Ramsey. Remember we talked about him yeah. in the first hour, uh, the GQ article where he went scorched earth on every quarterback in the National Football League practically, uh, except his own guy Blake Bortles, of course, and mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor because they don't make mistakes, so they're okay. Um, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell on his Twitter account tweeted, quote, Boy, Jalen lit AF. And uh. then followed that up with, well, no, I'm not saying that he's right in what he's saying. I'm just saying he's got a right to his opinion. Everybody has a right to their opinion. Mm-hmm. Underneath the tweet, it says, Strip Club Miami. He's like, ah, I have to turn my location services off. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah, the guy's got a right to his opinion. But do you really want that coming from your running back? No. Where he's taken, after he's taken the quarterback behind the woodshed and said he's not all that good. It's tone deaf. Again, it's just tone deaf. Well, he's an idiot. <laughs> I mean... He's one of the all-time greatest running backs, but that doesn't make you Copernicus. No, it does not. No, no, not he's at all. not bright. He doesn't realize the ramifications of these things that he says. Or if he does, he's really trying to subvert the morale of uh, that squad going into this year. Or he just like, doesn't. And care. I don't think he's. I don't think he's calculating enough to be like. I'm going to start just passive aggressively pissing everybody off oh, in the no, locker he's room. Not that no, quick. No, 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 way. no. You're right about that. You know, so it's just he's. That's why he immediately tweeted the follow up, like, "Oh, look, I'm just saying." Free, oh, he's got a right to his opinion. Free, free speech. speech. <laughs> free speech. <laughs> he's, he's first, Le- first Amendment guy. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, First Amendment warrior. Yeah. First, he was the running back Rosa Parks to open up the floodgates <laughs> for the running backs in the uh, free agent market. Now he's a free speech warrior. Yeah, that's so. what he was doing to the. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I had a line. I'm going to drop it. No, no, you're uh, right. No. He's, he's raising the salary cap for strippers on Miami that's Beach. That's all it is. Is yeah. he's a you know he's fighting for the working person. That's <laughs> that's what he's doing. He Ben already thinks he's a, a dope. I guarantee you by the way he's handled himself. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and this is just part of the new NFL. You know. Oh, he's been arrested for dope. So yeah. You know, <laughs> it's true. You are what you smoke. But we tend to focus on the Steelers' distractions, whether it's AB, Lev Bell, or whatever, and these guys and their and their outlandish sized egos. But every team's dealing with some form or faction of it. I mean, Tom Brady had a guy traded because he he was uh, threatened by him. You know, right. like it might not manifest itself the same way. But every team has these huge egos to deal with. Yeah, ours and- are pretty high profile. It's just, how do you handle it once it happens? It's not like the Patriots have been pristine clean when it comes to people they've brought in. Yeah, they Jones, had a, Jones freaked they out. They had a murderer. They had a murderer. Yeah, that Aaron yeah. Hernandez. Brett, uh, was it Brandon Spikes hits the deer and just leaves his car and says somebody else took the car. I mean, like, you see this stuff on every team. It's just, does it affect you and how do you handle it once it happens? Well, and another point that needs to be made while, you know, I'm just cavalierly saying he's an idiot. I think that a lot of people... 
Are idiots. Are idiots, yes. I, I, I lump him in with a lot of people. No, but the distinction between social media and real life is He's, that some, sometimes people feel like they're not really dealing, you know, uh, dealing out public statements on Twitter for some reason. They don't realize that everyone can see it. Yeah, they think Bell. they're only speaking to their crowd. Their echo right. chamber. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're followers. So they're I, sycophants. I, you know, it, it might be a little of that as well. That, that's why I always try to tell, like, comic friends who are like, I can't believe people are getting pissed off <laughs> at this racist <laughs> joke I made on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, would you run up to somebody in Market Square who you didn't know and say a racist joke? Like, that's what you're doing. That's what Twitter is. It's, right. It's even bigger than that, though. It's like a town hall with everybody who's on there. Well, especially for comics, they, because they're so dead inside, the only thing that makes them laugh is by shocking their friends. So they Saying feel, the worst thing they can think of. Yeah, and so then they say that on a public forum and then don't understand when the general public doesn't understand it's like their... like you can't even be horribly <laughs> sexist anymore. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. What is this? That's a great way of you referencing Owen Benjamin without referencing <laughs> Owen Benjamin. You know, you know, just I like, mean, but look, when I talked to... Like, when we talked to Owen... He's completely different than totally he is. Totally different than he is. You know, and Jeselnik has that great bit, too, like you're just talking about. Like, he'll be in a movie, and he'll come out of a movie, and he'll turn the phone on, and he'll have 20 text messages saying, don't do it from his friends, <laughs> because he missed whatever horrible event happened, oh, yeah. and he can't wait to go to his phone to tweet something But he's about already it. established that that is his, that's that's his, his act. Thing. Yes. Yeah. So he, but it doesn't stop people from being horribly <laughs> offended by <laughs> oh, it. I, yeah. I, know. I want to be offended. Let me follow Anthony Jeselnik, and then be upset that yeah, I decided to do so. Probably uh, not the guy you want to follow if you are easily offended. That being said, not smart of Lev Bell right. to have tweeted out anything supporting someone who's derogatory of your quarterback. He's the I can't, We were talking about this before we started. I, I've never covered a guy who's as different in one form as he is in real life. Like when AB goes off on one of these weird Twitter or Instagram tirades or goes after Ed Bouchette or whatever the case, completely expect it. Like it's 100% consistent with the yeah. personality. I'm at the point now when I talk to Lev Bell, I'm like, who's this guy in front of me? He's so different than the guy on Twitter. That blocked you. He's relaxed. He's easy. <laughs> he's cool to deal with. He smiles. He looks you in the eye. He's engaged. And yeah. then you get this a completely disenfranchised from how everybody else views him. I think it's because they think they're in that echo chamber on yep. social media and right. that they're surrounded by the people that support them so they can, they can be real there. Yeah, these they people think actually like my rap. Protected. These people actually like my albums. They must think my opinions are okay. <laughs> Tim Benz with your sports this morning on deep.com. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with Val Porter, Bill Crawford, Joe Rikiki, our producer this morning. Mike Pursuta is in Green Bay for tonight's Steelers-Packers game. Tim Benz filling in with sports. We'll uh, kick off the pregame 4 o'clock here on the flagship station of the Black and Gold. And that'll be with Benzie, Rob King, Dale Lolly, and they'll hand it over to Mike Persuda with Jerry Dulac, Bob Labriola. And then from there, it's the triumvirate of broadcasting, the legendary Bill Hillgrove, Tunch Hilkin, and Craig Wolfley. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger versus Aaron Rodgers tonight. One quarterback Jalen Ramsey thinks is good and one that he thinks is average at best. Yeah. The one that he thinks is average has two rings. Yes. Uh, comedian Dane Cook got huge in the 2000s. Jalen Ramsey thinks he's average. <laughs> he was uh, as big as you could possibly be as a comedian. So of He started the social media nightmare yes. that is uh, what comics have to do now. He had MySpace. a million friends on MySpace. Mm -hmm. He was the first comic to do yeah. that. He was. and uh, Literally a million. 
So it was only natural that he would eventually date a girl who was born in the 2000s. Yep, uh, (laughs) he is uh, currently at 46 years of age dating a 19-year-old girl. Sure, they have a ton in common. Kelsey (laughs) Taylor. Now, um, they've been dating for a year. She's how old? 19. (sighs) Asked how they met. So she was born in 1999. Oh my God. Asked how they met. I can do math. He said, <laughs> Well, we were friends for a while and soon fell in with each other. Uh, I guess he meant to type fell in love with each other and then upgraded to love, blah, blah, blah. He said that they used to, they met at game nights at his house where he'd have game nights. So he was inviting, as a 44 year old dude, Inviting 17-year-old girls to his house for Monopoly. I met her at a park down the street. (laughs) We met at a bar, the Monkey Bar. (laughs) She could really uh, swing on those things. So uh, he said that her family is 100% okay with it. Of course they are. And they hang out all the time. They go to dinner. They're probably the same age. I helped deliver the baby. We're pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew at that moment. Oh, he put a sold tag on it. <laughs> I call this one. I call it. I'll be by to pick it up in 19 years. <laughs> We're pretty close. She and her, uh, me and her family, we do the dinner thing and we hang. Kelsey's smart, kind, and creative, loyal, and honest. So he has this Facebook post where the two of them are in a hot tub or a pool or something. And, you know, she's, of course, some gorgeous 19-year-old L.A. girl. And uh, he's, uh, you know, dad-bodied. He's, he's still, he's kind of, he's pretty thick dude. Uh, and he puts on this Instagram post, I can't tell you how incredible my, incredible my girlfriend is. You just have to trust me when I say... I'm in amazing hands. She's also very lucky because Whoa. I'm pretty rad. And so he makes a joke about that. Uh, Kelsey, thank you for so many nights filled with laughter, days filled with creative thoughts. Oh my God. And what expressions. Is- and mostly, thanks for the love. Hashtag one year anniversary. <laughs> also, her 19th birthday, apparently. Oh, God. All right, Val, is 27 he, years old? Is he 15? O- is 27 years okay? I mean, I don't know. It depends. I mean, it depends where. Yeah, like Trump's twenty four years older than Melania. I mean, how old? How much older was Hef than all those girls? Way older. Way way older. The thing about like she's she hasn't lived a life. She's done not. She graduated from high school. It's the. I mean, how does a conversation even happen? Hey, remember when? Oh no, you weren't alive. Hey, remember? Oh. Mm. Hey, remember what? No. Do you even know who Nelly is? I mean, I I don't know what we would talk about. He's like using all these old rappers. He's like, "What's up?" And she's like, "What are you doing?" What is that? I, I mean, don't, she, I don't know what that is. Bud Wise. <laughs> is the drinking age twenty one in California? No. She can't even drink legally. I don't think he drinks. I think he's straight edge. Still, I know. Congrats on being able to vote, sweetheart. <laughs> Just made it. <laughs> Days full of creative thoughts. I mean, look. He's strong. <sighs> what does that mean? That means he's, Whipped. you know, yes. 
he is experiencing a lot of sex all over again. Yeah, a lot of sex with a young hot girl. Yes, making him stupid. But he's getting he's getting beat up really bad over this. It's now kind of he becoming. He should be. I'm not talking about the the. I'm this post is what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. All right. But their overall the, the relationship. I mean, I, he's like a 15 year old love struck boy. <laughs> the way this is written. If you post something like that, it should only be when you're in trouble. You got caught cheating or right. something. Maybe you're like, I, I better save uh, some face here. I don't know. Maybe. But he's getting beat up in the media over this pretty bad. It's not illegal. It's just really kind of creepy. Now, if she so was what? 30 and he was 57. 57, would it be as weird? It would still be mm. kind of like, mm, 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 okay, whatever. I mean, it's not like there haven't been huge age gaps before. It's just that yeah, when that- you get them right at the starting line. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> It's tough oh, to have the one. big age gap right out of the chute. Yeah. And and also And they're off. Not that one. She's staying right reason, there. You know, Dane Cook has become like the nickelback of comedians. Yeah. Like it's just, you know. I think people that, love to to hate attack him. him. Yeah, I think that that's part of it as well. But the the biggest part of it, I think, it's because she's so young, it's and there's an age difference. Like I said, it's almost the same as the president's. Mm-hmm. It's not the gap. Oh, no, I think it's... that's creepy, too. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's, you know, there's no way there's love in that marriage. Well, <laughs> you don't know that. They... Uh, no, I know. She's, I did know. You, she was out picking him flowers the other day in the garden, in her gardening converse. <laughs> but look, back to, to Dane really Cook. I don't really care about gardening. He's catching well, a ton of flack over this. And the game night thing. The game night. What, okay, what, now this what is, is the, that naked twister. What are you doing? Yeah, game night. What kind guys. of twister are we playing? Here? Hey guys, go down to the high school. Get all your friends. Tell them to come on over. We're gonna play Scrabble. Come on. <laughs> I'm a famous person. It'll be fun. Oh man, I would never do that. Wait, go ahead. As an adult or as the yeah, kid? Yeah, as an adult. Like as an adult, you have to I know would better. Never knowingly invite underage people to my house. That's what he did. Because. I'm there's going to be according beers. to his own story that's what he did and ah, that's just irresponsible yeah everybody has phones right with cameras I don't know he might have locked that stuff up you know you walk yeah, in right. no yeah. phones he no phones on game pouch. night which is a 17 year old girl walking into a stranger's house has to make you feel great give me your phone no recording this sure thing Look, maybe Sorry, they'll fall I have in love. It stapled to my hand, and they'll be together forever. Maybe he, they she might. really is inspiring him with creative thoughts all day long. I don't think so. How do I get a bank account? <laughs> you think those those are her creative thoughts? <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I wonder how you open a bank account. How do cars work? What is a career? What's a career? Like, can you just be any? Can I still be an astronaut? Where do I sign up to be actress? What is that? Am I doing that now? Is that what this is? I'm okay with this. Val's got news next. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what I'm talking about.
Cradle Robin Val with your news. <laughs> yeah, who am I to talk? Exactly. Uh, we're going to talk about what really broke up uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's marriage. The one and only Jimmy Schubert live in studio with us. He's going to be at the Arcade Comedy Theater tomorrow night, and we're going to talk with him uh, uh, live in studio. He's one of our favorites, so we oh, love Schub. Schub is so, the best. I'm glad he was able to make it back in town. Rick Witkowski, also our good friend, featured in Rolling Stone, and we'll hear what uh, his seminal... Prog rock band crack the sky is up to and Stan Saverin closing things out nine forty five as we get set for Steelers Packers eight o'clock tonight on DV. Couples spend on average, or couples spend an average of three nights a week watching separate screens while in bed. Fifty five percent of couples say they feel they're missing out on quality time with their partner because of phone use. It's scary when you listen to that guy, Matthew Walker, talk about, like, you know, that most recent study about sleep and phones and televisions. You shouldn't be looking at anything for, like, two hours before you try to go to sleep. I know. I know. Who who can do that? Well, the thing is, is that now my my, uh, sleep patterns are just a, a series of stages of screens before I go to bed. Like, I'll be on my computer, and then I'll watch some TV. And then I'll finish it off with the phone. Yeah. Yes. Sounds pretty accurate. 35% say their sex <laughs> Wait, life. I didn't mean that the way it sounded. <laughs> I'll finish it off with my and phone. I just, uh, and then I polish uh, one uh, off uh, with my phone. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, he's going to be performing at the Arcade Comedy Theater tomorrow night. He's live in studio for you here right now. The one and only Jimmy Schubert. Ladies and gentlemen, Yay! comedy legend. <laughs> Jimmy Schubert. Good morning. How are you? How are you, buddy? Great. Good, man. Good. It's good to see you. Hey, good, good to, to be see back. You, good to be here, man. I've been on a little bit of a run. I was just, I uh, went to, uh, I was over in Dubai for, I did like nine days over there. I was doing some shows in Dubai. Bro. I saw the stuff you were putting on Instagram from Dubai. That, Amazing. That's, it's kind of a crazy territory over there. Yeah, it is. It's, Are you, you not know, allowed to drink? What What's the deal? No, you can. You just got to know the right places. Mm-hmm. Like the hotels are like these international zones. But it's, traditionally, it's a Muslim country. You know, the guys are walking around in, in Arab garb, and women are walking around in burqas, you know? They got the burqas on, which I'm surprised hasn't really caught on more in this country, <laughs> just as like a fashion thing. Like, my hair is not done. I know my... Put the burqa on. We're just going for pizza. Let's go. Throw the burqa on. Let's go. Come on. Cupcake, let's go. We gotta run. For my eyebrows, I have to pluck my eyebrows. I haven't shaved my. Throw the burka on. Let's rock and roll. We're just gonna get a quick bite. You know what I mean? It's so funny. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of expats over there, right? And, yeah, tons of expats. A lot of, but like all over the world. Like I, you know, I've been to Beijing and China. You would yeah. do shows for these. There's like. 25,000 communities of like expats living over there teaching English yeah to Chinese. you know Marin was just talking about that the other day on his podcast about going over there because there's such a huge American presence there that like they take American entertainment over and you slay you yeah. do great and you're gone and it's it's like you well, know, you, you know, and, and plus you get the trip out of it. I mean, you right. know, I mean, some people right. have to save their whole life to go to like, you know, you know, go to Tiananmen Square and see where the dude got ran over by the tank. <laughs> and go to Forbidden City, you see the chalk outline on the cement. Yeah, this is where it happened. Nice. Here's where the dude almost got run over by a tank. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's all, uh, you know, all that stuff, and uh, you know, so, uh, but yeah, there's like a really the international comedy scene because I don't know, most people don't realize that you know, stand up comedy the way we do is kind of a uniquely American mm-hmm. art form, and so they. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the Internet's made the world smaller. People go on and see stand-up online, but when they right. get an opportunity to have American comedians come over there, and it really was. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. It was kind of cool. Well, do you have to change your references? Because isn't like, do they gotta get be, everything? You got you to paint with a little broader brush strokes. You can't be as specific, you know, as like, you know, because they won't get it, you know. But, but you know, that's easy enough. That's easy enough to do. Every know? time I see like Russell Peters, who's like the biggest comic in the world because he can appeal to so many different demographics and nationalities. And like he, I watched this one concert he, he did in London where you know, there's all the, the, these people from India. He's Canadian. He's like Indian-Canadian or something like that. And he was able mm-hmm. to sort of like tie all this stuff together. None of it seemed particularly like, wow, this guy's like George Carlin. But he was able to entertain them all in uh, like, you know, uh, in like the American stand-up form and fashion, but it's not like what you do. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like when you go to Dubai or you're going to base, <laughs> you know, you're not doing what Russell Peters was kind of doing. Yeah, you're well, you're well, bringing them. This is uh, yeah, but Russell Peters also has a very unique ability to take three thousand seats or five thousand seats and make it seem very intimate. With yes, which mm. he does with his style. Oh, no, I'm like not suggesting he's not brilliant at, at at what he does. I'm saying it's not what you do. So there. Th- you're seeing the roots of comedy and what you do. You are like an old school. You're like OG. I'm like a I'm a Rocky and troglodyte, bro. Right. I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> I know. I'm giving it, you a compliment here, thank Jimmy. You, thank I'm you. I'm saying know, you come, you, you know, yeah. from the, the, the mm-hmm. school of Dice and Kinnison and all of those yeah. guys. Well, I grew up watching those guys. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, that's the kind of style. But it's kind of like you know, even nowadays, even in American comedy clubs, you know, they'd rather watch a guy be ironic. For thirty minutes, and say, hey, "Look, here comes ironic Pete with a silly bow tie." In his <laughs> he's he's going to tell a story with one punchline for fifteen minutes. Everybody, please put your hands together for ironic Pete. You know, I mean, that's. Do you think that yeah. that's what's happening in comedy clubs everywhere, or is that is what Netflix is putting on? Well, let me tell you, that's something, L.A. Bro. I mean, yeah, yeah that's they, L.A. They, yeah, but no, they're the ru- like that. I think they're ruining comedy. Quite frankly, I really do. I Netflix. Think, yeah, well, you're going to do 50, 15 minute specials. Who can't do fifteen minutes? I can go find a bartender. And <laughs> At a club who got 15 minutes. I mean, yeah. you know, it used to be something kind of like special, but they, you know, they wanted... That's they, why they called it a special. Yeah, that's why they it did. Was, At one point special. called it a special. It's like, you know, you would work on it for like a couple <laughs> right, of years and get right. it all polished and, you know, shiny and then yeah. present it, you know, 15 minutes. And who can't do 15 minutes? Yeah. You know? I mean, <laughs> right, it's a little bit different. I I always now I feel bad because I don't have a special. I got fifteen. Come on, yeah. come on. What's <laughs> I always take it for granted because I think that comedy audiences are smart enough to know the legitimate people and then the people who might be sort of a uh, fitting a, a demographic. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's just got. I mean, that, that's really the only yardstick you have to measure a comedian is how funny they are. Yeah, I mean, Michael and, Che's special was ridiculously funny right it was like that was so obviously to me uh, above and beyond some of the more like hipster kind of comic stuff that they'll they'll throw on it just takes a while to get good at i mean it's like people go well it's really tough if you're a woman to be funny it's really i go hey it's tough i don't care who you are it's a tough thing to do really Mm. well and at a high level it's just a tough thing to do and when you see these la and new york some of these comics they get on TV before they've ever really toured the country. And when you tour the country, you really 
that works you out in ways you can't imagine because you're playing to every kind of crowd you could possibly come across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, really, it just it gives you a nice balance and a fullness to your set. Where, yeah, you have this kind of journeyman approach where you, you've tried right. it out. Like if it's funny in Cleveland and it's funny in Miami and it's funny here and it's funny there, then it should be universally funny, you know? And I and I, I think like comedy should be like music. It should be everybody should got to be able to grab it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there are definitely guys who I think like are good enough by the age of thirty. Yeah. Who you know, but not 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 most of them. Like it's it's a craft that takes <laughs> a long time to hone. So there's like Hannibal Burris, who's who's a guy who I think was able to be really uh, you know operate at a high level at an early age. John Mulaney did a great job in an early age of putting together a very funny act, joke filled, and developing his audience. Um, but you know, it seems like they do throw a lot of people out there who may not be ready for prime time. Well, also, it's really tough now with the you know the 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 audience. I mean, the younger audience. I mean, they don't even have the attention span to sit through. <laughs> I, I, to sit through. It's like I, I gotta check. I check check in. I gotta check on Facebook. Right. I gotta I gotta put a tweet out. It's like, hey, don't you have the patience to sit there and watch like you know an hour of live entertainment? Which I think is what prompted. The you know the analytics of Netflix was that a lot of people would watch 15 minutes of the special, yeah. they would pause it, and I'd go back and watch the rest yes. of it. But I mean, that doesn't mean they don't have the attention span to sit through it. Maybe they didn't have the time, so they watch 15 minutes. But that's Isn't that thing. crazy yeah, that they know that? Like they 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 have dude. House of Cards was designed on the analytics of the two most famous, like Robin Wright Penn and uh, Kevin Spacey, were two of the most popular actors. So they knew who the popular actors were. So they put them in a show called House of Cards. I mean, the show was great, but I mean, based on the analytics of what people watch, I mean, they have all that information. So that's the new thing. I mean, that's that's the really where yeah. showbiz is gone. I mean, they it's kind of like ruined it. I mean, like you, it's you like know, baseball, like. They dive down on the analytics and then focus on that instead of like gut feeling and an overall instinct of how things will actually play out and succeed and be perceived by the public. Plus, their new model is to just pump out as much content as humanly possible. And yeah. when you're doing that, when you're putting out sheer volume, you, the quality is going to go down. There are some comics, though, that I've been turned on to who I thought because of Netflix, like Ali Wong's special, her first one was yeah. Baby Cooper. I thought it was really funny right i thought she was great yeah um but but a lot of times i give people i don't know 10 minutes 15 minutes and it's just and i don't make it any further yeah i think that's what most people do i think that's why you that's what the 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 data says that you know most people give them like 10 15 minutes and then go on they move on to the next gardell had that great show on showtime for a while road Road Dogs. dogs yeah i mean that I really wish would have been a Netflix thing that took off for a long time. Uh, yeah, I agree there's with you. so I, many great comics that he was choosing from. Like, hey, he, yeah. these guys ain't pretty, but they're so funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's this? Ham and Eggers. Ham and Eggers. Couple guys. <laughs> <laughs> like Larry Reeb was on one. Yeah, Uncle Larry. Uncle I just Larry. saw, I just saw him in Vegas. Dude, I was out, he's I was, the best. Ah, uh, dude, it was great. I was just... <laughs> Out in Vegas, for us, like you know, I had to do the Laugh Factor, which is like you know, in, is that a good like? Is it easy to do stand up in Vegas? I feel in, like in it's thirteen really tough. days we did twenty four shows. Oh it's, my it's, God. It's, it's it's you might as well get a job laying brick, bro. You <laughs> might as well get in the union, bro, laying brick. No, but it's fun because I was working on some a lot of new stuff. But yeah, that's Vegas is great. 
I mean, you're doing two shows a night. It's not like it's not traditional like Vegas. Like I, when I go to Vegas, I don't do what most people do in Vegas. I actually go the other direction because, uh, you know, like you know, <laughs> I've been I've been to church in Vegas. I've done Bikram <laughs> yoga in Vegas. I like trying to stay away because you're there for seven days. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, you can't. Oh, that forty-eight hour out. mark when you hit it hard in Vegas and you hit that forty-eight hour mark <laughs> and the anxiety of I gotta get out of here that hits you. Yeah, yeah. Is, I'm leaking oh. cash. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, we, you know, I went from Dubai to Reno, which was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk about culture shock, you know, and then, uh, and then, and then from Reno to Vegas, and Reno was a long week, and there you go, boom, and by the time Vegas came, and I didn't even leave Vegas because I stayed there for an extra three days because there was this magic conference, this magic live, which is one of these like, oh, like seventeen hundred magicians yeah. from around the world converge with the, all the latest tricks and all the latest gadgets and stuff. So I, you're kinda, way into that stuff. Yeah, I'm a nerd, like when it yeah. comes to that oh, kind of. That's it's another old school comedy like Bedrock. It, you, you know, so many guys like cut their teeth doing magic. Carson was huge. Like Carson was like Steve the, Martin. Steve Carson, Martin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all those guys. So I, and I just kind of stayed stayed with it. And I just kind of like you know about six years ago went through this like midlife magic crisis where I got you know I'm gonna go. I, I feel like I and I just got passed at the Magic Castle by the way. No as way. A, as a magician member. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. So I can actually perform there, and which is like it's like the comedy store except with magic. How good is Ricky J? Oh, Ricky Jay's amazing. You know, there's no question about it. He's, he's, but he's like one of those old school guys who can like throw cards and do all that other stuff. But you can go, but like this place is like, it's like, like the comedy store is the comedy. This place is the magic, you know, Die Vernon and all these guys. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I can actually go perform there. In fact, uh, when, I, when I was in Dubai, I actually got a tuxedo that I could, you know, I'm going to, I'm actually going to investigate. Yeah. No, not tails, <laughs> but just a, just a good I feel like you get thrown in jail in Dubai for doing magic. Yeah, you probably could actually. <laughs> Wizard, here's the devil. Here's the devil. He's a witch. You get thrown in Dubai for show having like a public display of affection, you know, with a woman. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, guy was excited as a girl passed driving school and he started kissing her and they locked him up. But they'll they'll take your passport for like you'll spend like three months in a, in a, in a jail, uh, you know, and they'll just you know, I mean, if it's you probably curse, a brand new jail. If though. you curse, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's oh, real nice. Oh, dude, it's the biggest and best everything in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. Like they have the world's largest tallest building and on the outside of that building there's an amazing light show that takes place with music blaring and at the base of that the world's tallest building there's a fountain show with boats where they put these light shows on and They're music playing burning money. Middle, like ridiculous and it's also attached to the world's largest mall which by the way has an indoor skiing ramp you could go skiing <laughs> downhill oh which also God. has the world's largest indoor aquarium with like 1300 species of fish like you walk and go this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's I all mean, in the desert. I mean, and it's all in the desert. And then, like, we did a with a show where you go, like, they take you out for, like, this whole adventure thing where you go dune bugging, and they have these falcons that they teach to hunt, and they train them how to hunt. And then there's, like, you can ride camels. That's unbelievable. And then you can, like, do some surfing down the side did of us. Did you ride a camel? Yeah, I did ride a camel. Of course I did. I made the fleas of a thousand camels invest in your armpits. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, we rode camels. And then we had a traditional, like, Middle Eastern meal where you sit on the rug and yeah. they bring you the food. And then 
the belly dancing show, which nah. is ridiculous. You know, and, and then what happens is they turn all the lights out in camp, and you just lay there and stare at the ceiling and see all the, like the stars. It's amazing. It looks like a UFO refueling station up there. Wow. But yeah, it was like you know, it was a it was a great trip. Like you get the trip out of it. And right, I mean, and at this point, like I'm I'm all about those kind of trips. Some guys, Definitely like you know, I've been stuff. I've been to Afghanistan with you know Drew Carey. We did some shows for uh-huh. the military over there. I mean, Singapore, Macau. Beijing, uh, Shanghai. I was over in Israel. We did like 11 days over there. It was so funny. I was supposed to go with these two comedians. We were supposed to go to Israel. And this is probably like two, three years ago. And there was shelling. Yeah. And so I landed in Philadelphia. I'm going back and hanging with my family for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then after Thanksgiving, I'm going to Israel. And then I, I landed there at Philly Airport. And I got a phone call from one of the guys, a big name anchor. He's like, I'm not going. I'm just letting you know. Uh, Shuby, I'm giving you a heads up. Yeah. I'm not going because of the shelling and the sad right. kind of thing. And I go, I said, okay, that's cool. I'm still going. I don't care. Yeah, because I was going because I wanted to do. Right. I wanted to do stations of the cross. I wanted to see Jesus' tomb. I wanted to go, go to and, the weeping wall. All that, all that good stuff. <laughs> so I'm on like a religious retreat. So oh, if I yeah. go, if I go, if I die over there, good. I was on a religious retreat. Yeah, you're in, right. I was, I was, you know, I was in One the right place. Uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. I was at the Whalen Wall. I said it. I said my rosary. I thought I was in Christ's tomb, <laughs> no. and that's when the shelling started. You know what I mean? So, so I was over there for like, you know, for like the thing, and and it was great. I mean, I actually had a blast. Over, no over pun the, intended. Yeah, no, no pun intended. No, but you know, Israel, Israel is a real safe place i mean mm. they have like technology that we don't even have like you know they don't mess around you, you there's, yeah. there's you know there's american jews and then there's israeli jews you don't mess with israeli jews they'll find you in a dumpster with a bagel up in your coolie yeah you know, they don't <laughs> they don't mess around they, they're all packing heat they don't they got sidearms they don't, don't play around that's <laughs> all about mushbuka la, da, da, da. and then if you you know because they're surrounded by people that want them dead they're all like so, people who are you suspect everyone's in the Mossad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, I I would I would uh, well when we were in there's a place called Mike's Bar which is right next to. The I would U- not have thought there was a place <laughs> in Israel called Mike's Bar. Oh yeah, I got a T-shirt. It's uh, it's right next to the U.S. Consulate. It's close to our kibbutz. Uh, yeah, but actually about five, about probably about four years before we got there, that someone came out of the ocean, walked up, and they kind of blew that place up. And but it's still there. But we were there, and there was these six dudes sitting there that were great, and I knew they were like these guys were like. These guys were spooks. They were the these, guys from Munich. Yeah, the, these, the movie the, Munich. The, the, yeah. No, these were American. Dudes. Oh, American dudes. These were American, like spe- special op. Cause, uh, okay. Because yeah, yeah, you guys will come to our show. They go, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, put your name on the list. They go, we weren't no. here. We no. are giving no, you we names. Weren't we weren't here. Yeah. No, we weren't here. But they were, they were nice <laughs> enough. But they were, I mean, they had a great sense of humor. But they were like, I could tell, like these dudes were like the real. We deal. we met a couple guys uh, on the USO tour I did last year that were special ops guys, and they were laughing with us. And then we did the same thing. I invited them to the show, and they were like, "Bro, we jump out of the back of of Chinooks with a heli- you know, with a with a dirt bike." Yeah, like we, we in the are. Of the night. Yeah, we we go set up camp for the people that come in. Yeah, we're not, we're not even, coming to a comedy. We're, we're show. not even here right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, but there's shows over there where you get they got pictures of me on stage and all the dudes in the front row got their uh, M16s and their M14s and they're they're all they're all packing heat. They're all like when we were over there, they're all you were literally they just got back from like a, a, a like a patrol. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And some of these dudes like are, are young guys. One guy this like they were in like a firefight and they were kind of pinned down. These nine guys came over the trap and chased them right back into uh, Pakistan and, and and really just you know beat them back down, but saved these other guys. And then you know. Ew. Tough There's audience to make laugh at. I said that half letter. Well. And then half letter, you're standing up from telling them jokes. But they, they appreciate it. Believe me, they really yeah. do. They, they appreciate it. It's so funny because I was in, uh, I did one of those military tours in Korea, which was great. So you oh, go over Korea there for three awesome. weeks. And then, like uh, like two years ago, I got flown there to do an acting job. So I was in I was in like Seoul, Korea over there doing this K drama, which is these really popular shows. It's on Netflix. It's called Drama World. But you go over there. I was over there for a week playing the lead's dad. I was like, this is ridiculous. That's hilarious. I'm like, I guess that's diversity. We got to fly a white guy into South Korea for K drama. <laughs> you know. So they so but it, it was uh yeah it was a really cool experience. But it was like you know kind of. Yeah, the Korean food. Not really a fan of the Korean food. It's like no, you don't like the nah, Korean well, barbecue. Well, it's like Chinese food with all that pesky flavor and taste. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Schubert's with us. He's going to be at the Arcade Comedy Theater tomorrow night. A quick break. We'll come back. Tim Benz filling in for Mike Pursuit with your sports. Getting ready for Steelers Packers tonight. An eight o'clock kickoff at Lambeau Field, and the pregame starts at four o'clock here. I'm on the flagship of the Steelers DVD. DVE Sports. Tim Benz filling in with your sports this morning on the DVE Morning Show. Steelers and the Packers going at it tonight at 8 o'clock at Lambeau. Right here on DVE, pregame 4 o'clock. I'll be on with Rob King and Dale Lawley. And then Mike Pursuta, Bob Labriola, and Jerry Dulac take over at 6. Steelers go off to Lambeau Field, taking on the Packers. And that means Morgan Burnett. Returns right away to Green Bay after being signed by the Steelers during this offseason. And the Steelers get to see Aaron Rodgers tonight. There won't be any Ben Roethlisberger or Landry Jones. First two quarterbacks in the Steelers' depth chart. They will not participate. But Rodgers, coming back from his collarbone injury last year, said he wanted some early action at Lambeau since he hasn't been on the field there since the end of September. Here's what Burnett says about what separates Rodgers from a lot of other quarterbacks. I mean, he's a very smart player. His IQ of the game is very smart. Uh, and I think people don't give him credit for how mobile he is. I mean, the guy can really move around. Even more than we do? <laughs> yeah, the guy can, he, he can really move around. He can get a lot of first downs with his legs. But, I mean, he's capable of making all the throws. I'll take umbrage with Burnett there a little bit. I don't know who doesn't give Rodgers credit for being mobile. I think he's an incredibly mobile quarterback. Yeah. He's one of the mm-hmm. best ever at throwing on the run, if not the very best ever. So I talked to Burnett a little bit more about that, and this is why he says Rodgers is as good as he is about that. I see him scrambling around all the time. That's not something that, that just happened that day. That's something that he practiced and prepared for. And, it's, and I feel like he prepares for all type of game situations because you never know what can happen throughout the course of the game. And when it happens in the game, he's prepared and you never see him rattle. <laughs> Go ahead. Was- no, I was just, I mean, it's just Captain Obvious. Is like, you know, <laughs> you know, he, he does a lot of preparation for the game. And he prepares for that, and that's what... Yeah, yeah, he should. He gets paid millions of dollars to do it, okay? Good. I mean, no, it was funny. Burnett sort of made it sound like, as I was talking to him a little bit more, that Rodgers does those weird drills kind of like A.B. does. You know, the crazy toe-tapping on the yeah. sideline and the one, intentional one-handed grabs, and I'm going to fall over backwards and catch the ball this way on purpose, that Rodgers is the same maniacal freak about that after practice where he rolls to the sideline, stops, and then throws across his body just so his body gets used to it. It's like muscle memory and things like that. So... 
Look, you can't argue with the results. Guy's pretty. Oh, he's a beast. He's yeah. pretty good. Hey, even Jalen Ramsey That's thinks right. he's good for crying out loud. That's so right. he must be good. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. Absolutely. No, um, but no, shoot, you're right. We're so used to hearing these sports uh, like sound bites from these guys where they are not really saying anything. No, you can switch the heads on four and five. You switch the heads on right. four and five. Yeah, he was good. He did the preparation for it, and you know uh, we got the W, and that's good. You know, the first guy there, last to leave. Yeah. But look, that's a smart way to do it because as soon as somebody steps out of uh, out of line of saying that sort of rote type of uh, you know sports response, then they get bashed for it. Yeah. Anytime anybody shows a personality or an opinion, yeah, like Jalen Ramsey. But you know, but there's a difference between Jalen Ramsey or a guy who's like maybe a little bit too uh, revealing when it comes to like the team's plans or stuff like that. The coaches don't want you saying anything. They want you to be as bland as possible. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. So that therein lies, because everybody wants to interview you, but you can't give away any secrets. And if you do become the guy that is saying, you know, interesting things, then everybody wants you to say stuff. And then you got to, you know, oh, Ramsey's going to be that the rest of his career. Into the yes. principal's office. Ram- you got to stop saying interesting stuff. Now that Ramsey has said what he has said in Gentleman's Quarterly, yeah, he's just going to be yeah. the go-to guy for any sort of topic. Next, the next anthem thing, first guy quoted will be Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, let me show you right here in the playbook. Like you see. <laughs> This thing here in the playbook, like, this is what we do. He's supposed to do this, but you know, we, we practice that. Right. You know, it's like, okay. So Ramsey, uh, for folks that don't know, just went off on every quarterback in the National Football League yesterday in a story that came out. He said Ben Roethlisberger uh, isn't all that. You know, when they played against him last year, he was unimpressed. Uh, he said that Jimmy Garoppolo is all scheme. He said that uh, Andrew Luck isn't all that good. He said that Josh Allen is trash. He says that Joe Flacco sucks. The funny one that I found that we haven't talked about yet is Matt Stafford from the Detroit Lions. He didn't say anything about the Eagles, did he? He said Carson Wentz is going to win MVP every yeah, other year. Yeah, he likes Wentz. What did he say about Foles? He, uh, said, he, he won he him a Super Bowl, but that's it. Yeah, he said he's obviously good. He won <laughs> him a Super Bowl. Only that? Yeah. Well, yeah that's, he steps up as a backup with three weeks to go in the season and, you know, and plays like that against, you know, they got Yeah, he said, um, I'm trying to find the exact quote here from Stafford. Well, he said of Stafford, I think he's straight. I don't think he's the best quarterback out there, but he do what he got to do. Well, obviously he's straight because he married Kelly Stafford, and she is a knockout. Now, not the Kelly Stafford that your computer is going to find like it found for me. Kelly Stafford was a porn star back in the day, apparently, and now my computer has every virus known to man. Mm -hmm. As I tried to find this exact quote from Kelly Stafford, she fired back saying uh, about Jalen Ramsey, why is he being interviewed by GQ? There's nothing GQ about him. Just seems like a complete waste of time and space. For the record, Stafford had a 116 quarterback rating when facing Jalen Ramsey back in 2016, and he made Jalen Ramsey cry on the bench at the end of the game against and not, the Lions. And not for nothing, but uh, you know his wife had a 116 rating uh, in, in the porn industry, <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. so, which, which is pretty good. That's Man, good. No, That's no, her Pornhub rating. Yes, yeah, I, I, I love how you know you get a porn virus on your laptop, which means you have to dial the one eight hundred number and talk to uh, you know the guy in India. Yeah, yeah slumdog millionaire. <laughs> Why do I got to call another country to get a, get a porn virus off my hard drive? You know what I mean? You're on hold for eighteen hours waiting for this guy to wake up, milk his goat, and ride his bicycle <laughs> to the call center in Mumbai. 
so he can help me get rid of the virus on my hard drive. And so while you're on hold, you pop one of those Rosetta Stone CDs and try to learn Punjabi. And when you can talk to the guy in his own language. And apparently, you just need to reboot. So that's how you say reboot and Punjabi. Reboot. You need to reboot. Well, thank you, Benjamin Franklin. If that's your real name, click. Benjamin you know, Franklin. Yeah, but they all, they're always, uh, I am uh, George Bush. I am uh, Benjamin Franklin. Which also, don't tell me you're Benjamin Franklin. First off, because I'm Philadelphia. And Benjamin Franklin is arguably one of the greatest Philadelphians ever to live. Yeah. The man invented everything. He invented bifocal swim fins, the postage, the postal department, the fire department. He uh, he invented our currency, for, for God's sakes. He's on the $100 bill. And the man died of syphilis. And coincidentally, for $100 in Philadelphia, you get syphilis. I mean, what a way to pay tribute to the man. You know, what a way to remember old Ben Franklin. Jimmy Schubert. He's at the Arcade Comedy Theater tomorrow, and I get your tickets, arcadecomedytheater.com slash events. Tim Ben's filling in for Mike Pursuit with your sports. He'll be back at 4 o'clock today. We'll have one more hit with Tim at 9.30. Val's got news coming up top of the hour here on... It's the DV Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with uh, Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Jimmy Schubert's hanging out with us live in studio. He's at the Arcade Comedy Theater tomorrow. Go to the show. Yeah. First of all, it's a great this theater. This show's going to sell out. Arcade Theater. You better get your tickets Arcadecomedytheater.com slash events. Go see Jimmy Schubert, the one and only, the legendary, historic, <laughs> the uh, prolific, you. You iconic. Guys too, you guys are too kind, man. I, National J treasure. I listened to the Jay Leno interview with uh, Mark Marin the other day. I don't know if you happen to hear about that, but he, he was talking a lot about those early days. Yeah. About, you know, bouncing around in L.A. And I know you kind of came. You were probably working the door. Yeah. Were you guys working the door at the same time or no? You and Marin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, me and Marin were absolutely working the door. Like, if, yeah. if you've never listened to my, my WTF podcast. Oh, it's one of the two, best. That's yeah. episode 202. Like, we, me and he, he knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah. <laughs> he, brought up, he brought up the... Uh, the you know, house, the Hillcrest. Well, the, well, yeah, because we, we were up there. He was like supposed. I was not supposed to be staying there, but I went up and stayed there because I had nowhere else to go. But but, but I, was, I would have been homeless. I was sleeping on the roof of the comedy store back in the <laughs> end of the day. But you know the the story about the, you know it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell the story about Roseanne, <laughs> Roseanne Barr. Uh, I was. Um, a doorman, right. uh, and 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 new to L.A. Like at the comedy store, at the comedy store, and I probably only been there, you know, uh, like working there like three months because I remember I was renting a room in a house from this woman who was a member of Mensa, and she would have these Mensa meetings. I was like, okay, you guys have a good night. I'm out. Yeah, go go out. And and I would go out to do, <laughs> and I would go. <laughs> yeah, genius. Okay, geniuses. I'll see you guys later. But. uh but I, and I would go out and do stand-up, and I, I'd come back at 2 o'clock in the morning, get up at 7, go to my job. But uh, this one particular night, I was working as a doorman, and Roseanne Barr came in and just absolutely, like, annihilates mm -hmm. the original room. And I've never seen Missy respond to, like, a female comedian that was that great. And she then goes and takes her into the main room, where she then annihilates and Jim hmm. McCauley who was the coordinator for the Tonight Show was there and saw it. This is the first night Roseanne was at the comedy store. First night she was there. I mean she was amazing. So the like, Tonight Show got a talent booker is in the audience the first night Roseanne was. He used to hang it. there right? Yeah well he used to hang there looking for talent and, and she came in and she was you know she did these these sets like you know she was I mean it was great I mean like just had this act that was like wow. It was like all honed when she showed up. Yeah it was all honed I mean you know she had been working in I guess she was from Denver or whatever the deal was, Iowa. you know, she was a, and she had that, you know, she's a housewife with three kids, yeah. or whatever, and she's married, and she's mm -hmm. out here doing this thing, 
And uh, I guess she was hanging out with Kinnison or whatever, and she was drinking and yada da da da. And next thing you know, <laughs> uh, Kinnison goes, "Hey, Jimmy, you know, and I'm at the door, man. It's late." He goes, "Hey, could you uh, get Rosanna right home? She's, you know, she's had a couple cocktails, yada yada." I go, "Yeah, whatever." You know, I think uh, so. It uh, gives me the dress, and I, I'm staying in Culver City, and this is Olympic Boulevard, and I know where that's at. And boom, I drop her at the dress, but it's not. That Olympic Boulevard. I didn't realize at that time there were two Olympic Boulevards. So she, ah, that's not where I live. And she's drunk. And she, this is before GPS and cell yeah. phones and all this <laughs> stuff. And I go, where the, I go I'm, I'm, I'm staying in a room in a house. Part of the thing is no overnight guests. I'm like, I can't. I go, what yeah. do I do? I got, I got to put this woman on the street. Hey, get out and find it. You know, right. I got, I'm not an animal. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I said, look, I said, I, you know, you get, I guess I'm not allowed to have any over, but I'll, I'll let you crash there tomorrow. Tomorrow you can just jump on a bus and find out where the heck right. it is. You know, I was going to put her out. It was late. It was like two o'clock. There was nothing open. I I'm not going to turn around and drop a buck off the comedy store. Right. I just did. I it was just, so I got to, you know, sneak Roseanne into this like thing and, you know, and I was, I was a kid, man. So you, you're running a room from a Mensa member who uh, has a stipulation, no overnight guests. You're stuck with Roseanne. So now you're tiptoeing down the hallway. <laughs> tiptoeing down the hallway with this very drunk, you know, loud, loud woman. Loud yeah. woman, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm getting ready. Where's the bathroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, shh, you got to be quiet. I got to get her in and, you know, put down the, like, a little, like, I had, like, I didn't even, I had, like, a, a single you know, like a single bed. I didn't even have, like, you know, so I put down a blanket and pillows. Yeah, you get ready. And, you know, back then, I, you know, I, was, I had a 31 inch waist with abs, you know, and I'm getting ready for bed. I stripped down to my boxer shorts. And as I'm getting ready for bed, she just kind of grabs me and, you know, gets in the business end of my flesh musket. And, you know, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, and before you know it, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, and then boom. And then and so the next morning I get up for work, I drop her at the bus stop. I said, you should be able to get home from here. You know, and I go to work. And then that night, Tuesday night at the comedy store, which is the next night, and, and I'm there. And she comes in and she goes, you know, I, I'd appreciate it if you didn't say anything to anybody about that. I go, listen, I'd appreciate it if you didn't say anything Because out of the two of us, you're the one who has bragging rights. All right? So listen, keep it down. So now you so I said, I appreciate if you didn't say anything. And then so so then so then, so then so then I don't see her for like twenty nine years. Like she went on, she did the Tonight Show, oh, yeah. she did the thing, she had the Roseanne, the biggest the comic show. in the world yeah, yeah, for, yeah, a yeah, long time. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, next time I see Roseanne Barr, uh, I'm on Last Comic Standing. She's one of the judges. The first night of taping, I am the 26th comic out of 26 comics into a six-hour taping. And I'm nervous because I did tell the story on Marin because Marin knew, and I was trying to be as respectful as possible, you know. Right. And a lot of time has passed, so I did tell the story. So I'm going, oh, maybe she heard the story, man. I don't yeah. know. And so I come out, and I wasn't even making eye contact with the tape. <laughs> I just start killing. Right. Goose, goose, goose. Just not, <laughs> yeah. and I start crushing. And I finally work up enough courage to look over at the judge's table. And she's sitting there with her arms folded. And then she just kind of points at me like, oh, I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, 
But uh, it's a flash just, musket. Yeah, she just did one of those. Oh, she just did one of those pointing musket. things, and it's like that's the last time I saw. I was like, okay, but that would have that would have been you know back in the day that would have been a hashtag Me Too story. <laughs> like you know, yeah. for you, yeah, yeah, for me, bro. I was young. I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, look, you know, oh, wow. things worked out okay for her. <laughs> yeah, everything worked out. Yeah. It was fine, you know. Uh, yeah, shit for her until she tweeted, bro. <laughs> she tweeted. I, I can't. I, the I, Twitter, I, the Facebook, it gets everybody in trouble. Let me tell you. You just said that. What was the stat you had about? Fifty-two uh, percent, uh, uh, like, bring up Facebook in, in divorce proceedings. But here's the problem, though, hmm. with all of it. Like, you're not allowed to make a mistake today. You're not allowed to be a human being. God forbid you make a mistake. <laughs> I know what she was trying to do. It's like so and so and so and so had a kid. I mean, she just used. And to tell you the truth, if you put the picture up next to Dr. Zayas, she looks exactly like Dr. Zayas. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says she just shouldn't have made the joke and if you want these celebrities mm-hmm. that like you know then, then, then put it in the contract you're not allowed to tweet while you're on the show i mean obviously it's going to come down to that because some people right. but like it's like really you're getting fired from a tweet it's like I, I'm, I, just the fact that that's even the conversation like like a bunch of grown men sitting around talking about a guy's tweets i mean <laughs> you're wearing hairspray and makeup you weirdo and you're talking about a guy's tweets what's wrong with you i mean grow up i mean it's just so ridiculous. I think Look, the I think the problem you have is with the word tweet. I think if it was well, a more masculine word, well, you you would you would put more weight to it. Mm-hmm. You, well, maybe that's that's it. But I'm just saying, it's like you know, I'm okay. I was you know, I, I made a mistake. Can I make a mistake as a human being? No, you have to lose your job, and everybody's got to lose their. It's like, come on. Jimmy I'm, Schubert will be making mistake after mistake tonight, at the arcade and comedy come, theater. And, and you can come out and moan me. <laughs> come out and moan tonight or Friday night at the arcade theater, and it's Saturday I'll be in. Seven Springs for the little comedy night down there as well. So okay, good awesome. deal. Yeah. Jimmy Schubert, and uh, once again, uh, tickets for the arcadecomedytheater.com slash events. Go check them out uh, this weekend. Hey man, it is always a pleasure to hang out with you. Oh, thanks, man. Right on. We have uh, our buddy Rick Witkowski, who was in Rolling Stone yesterday. Uh, his legendary band, Crack the Sky, featured as like one of those the most uh, badass awesome. band that you probably don't know. They've been around forty years, and uh, also Stan Savern next hour as well. Val's got news for you when we. Return. Jimmy Schubert. Good morning. How are you? How are you, buddy? Great. Good, man. Good. It's good to see you. Yeah, good, good to, to be see back. You, good to be here, man. I've been on a little bit of a run. I was just, I uh, went to, uh, was over in Dubai for, I did like nine days over there. I was doing some shows in Dubai. But... I saw the stuff you were putting on Instagram from Dubai. That, Amazing. That's, it's kind of a crazy territory over there. Yeah, it is. It's, Are you, you not know, allowed to drink? What, what's the deal? No, you can. You just got to know the right places. Mm-hmm. Like the hotels mm-hmm. are like these international zones. But it's, traditionally, it's a Muslim country. You know, the guys are walking around in, in Arab garb, and women are walking around in burqas, you know. They got the burqas on, which I'm surprised hasn't really caught on more in this country, <laughs> just as like a fashion thing. Like, my hair is not done. I don't like, put the burqa on. We're just going for pizza. Let's go. Throw the burqa on. Let's go. Come on, cupcake. Let's go. we got to run. Put my eyebrows. I have to pluck my eyebrows. I haven't shaved my... Throw the burqa on. Let's rock and roll. We're just going to get a quick... Andy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Uh, the one and only Jimmy Schubert mm-hmm. hanging with us. Go see him this weekend, Arcade Comedy Theater. Where are you on? Uh... Uh, Seven Springs. I'm down there in Seven Springs. I, you, guys, you, you ever watch? The mountain. The, yeah, the, the mountain down at that resort. They get a comedy night down there. But I was watching uh, Shark Tank. You ever get caught up in that? And watching those. Oh, uh, definitely. N- there's those four millionaires deciding whether we're going to 
And it was like, don't we have enough junk? They had this guy had a the padlock where you had to put your fingerprint. It wouldn't open unless you had your fingerprint on it or or the keys. But the guy had it on a tool shed. He hits the lock with his fingerprint and the lock opens. And he goes like that. I'm sitting there watching it. And they bought it. They go, yeah, it's a great idea. I'm, I'm going, look, I'm not a genius, but not one of these guys said, what if the burglar has a bolt cutter? What if the, then he wouldn't need a fingerprint. He could just clip off the lock. More than that, what if the guy, once what's in the tool shed bad enough, he takes a bolt cutter, he clips off your index finger, pops that on the lock, <laughs> now you're sitting there bleeding out, you're missing your finger, and, uh, and and now they're stealing your stuff while you're sitting there bleeding out. You grab the finger, you run to the hospital and try to save it, but they can't save it. So they have to take off your left toe and put it where your index finger used to be. And now you look, now you got an index finger where your finger used to be, and you look like an idiot, all because you bought that stupid lock that needed the fingerprint thing. It's like, that, like I, I just thought, well, that's just stupid. You know what I mean? Like and for those reasons, I'm out. Yeah, I know. Right. For those, for those yeah. reasons, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the hamburger patty thing. I was in the store. It's like, it makes the perfect hamburger patty. I go, yeah, but you just added nine steps to the process. Right. So my mom my would hands. roll the ball and then put it in and then smash it with a fist and toss it in the pan. This thing makes, do, are you that OCD yeah. that you need the perfect hamburger patty? Yeah. And it'll save time. I go, no, it doesn't. You've had it. I got to go buy it. I got to go clean it. I got to go store it. I got to remember I have it when I'm making the hamburger patties. I got to clean it and then I got to put it back away. You've had nine steps to the process. And by the way, who's eating that much red meat? Hey, honey, happy anniversary. Here's here's the perfect hamburger patty. Make a, what is it? The first year is paper, the second year is cotton, and the third year is the perfect hamburger happy patty yeah. maker. You know. And for those reasons, I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I, I, know, I love that. Val's got a quick news update. What's up? Uh, here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 11. It's 76 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by CCACM Val Porter. Parts of three Pittsburgh neighborhoods will be sprayed for mosquitoes today to stop the spread of the West Nile virus in the area. Spraying will happen in Bloomfield, Lawrenceville, and Morningside today if it doesn't rain. And residents are being asked to help by removing any stagnant standing water from their yards. Uh, Pennsylvania legislators, hello. Tax revenue from pot in California is up by about $13 million just over the last quarter. California tax officials boast second quarter tax revenue of more than $74 million on pot. That total includes sales tax along with excise and state cultivation yeah. taxes. I mean, come it, on. It's going to happen eventually. Let's just expedite things. It really is. And I got to tell you, I don't know, like people are on Prozac and Zoloft and all these psychotropic opioids. Beans, opioids. Mm-hmm. And actually, in states that have legal marijuana, the opioid use is way down. Way down. Yeah. And when I got mm-hmm. last year, last year, I got both my knees replaced. And I, I did two rounds of the opioids. I said, then just give me a prescription for the edible marijuana. But I mean, it yeah. helped with a lot of pain. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's plus it's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's a no <laughs> I mean, talk about it. Talk about it. It, it helps you sleep. There's, yep. there's really no side effects. There's no downside to it. It's if you don't understand dosage. When people eat too much and they freak out and they think it's this, like, you know, reefer madness experience, it's always going to be a hallucinogenic freak well, out. Like, that's, that's why I say. Start small and then work your way up. I'd rather be out in front of it than than don't get behind it. If yeah. you get behind it, you're laying in your bed, you feel like you're floating, feel free off the bed. Yeah. You wait, it's like waiting for an illness to pass. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but since they made it legal now in California, it's all ten milligrams. It's so you 10. can't really get in trouble with ten milligrams. It'd make it a little goofy if you didn't eat something. 
Yeah, but it's fine. It's totally fine. That's why Pennsylvania needs to get on board. Not only are the medicinal marijuana benefits well documented, mm-hmm. I mean, recreationally, we the amount of tax revenue. And I got to tell you, man, I, I take those little 10 milligrams. I'm just happy. They're I'm like laughing. mood boosters. I'm, I'm giggling mm-hmm. yep. like a Japanese schoolgirl, man. I'm, I'm having a blast on this thing. Come on, Pennsylvania. Come Let's on. get in on Come this. On. Get, get, get it together, Pennsylvania. We want to get high. We really don't care about the tax benefits. <laughs> well, you know, and, and plus, I'm sick like, of having to go to my bartender to get it. Yeah, but I'm telling you, it's like you said, the opioid use. Will get, were you giving people an option? Right. You know what I mean? So Not to mention, much healthier. if it's legal, that means a legal use goes well, they, you decriminalize it, and then you take all the power away from all the, like, you know, the Mexican right. cartels that are shipping into our country. And so, you know, and, and obviously there's, the, the, you know. And then you don't have to have any more stepped on weed, Jimmy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nobody likes clean the seeds out, right. right? You get an album out, we got to clean the seeds out, right? The old days. That's why I taste the hairspray. I taste hairspray. Yeah, it's a Mexican brown, right? We got to clean the seeds out of it. Yeah. You can't de-seed anything on a Spotify, though. You know what I mean? The, no. The, no, but I, plus, I got to tell you the weed, the weed they're making is not the same weed i smoked when i was in high it's school. way too powerful i, I mean you know <laughs> I, I i would do like i'm I like take two hits and i'm done i'm good let's just take see where we're at in a little mm-hmm. bit just I'm, I'm not, but some people i mean you know I'm, well they, it's like anything though they lose the, the they build up the tolerance to it yeah well, because now it's being made by scientists before it was like a dude in yeah. his will hang a plant upside down in his bathtub yeah joey joey diaz takes these like, oh like, my God. stars of death he's 500 milligram go bro you're out of your mind the, uh, the get, stuff he does on video i've tried to watch his podcast maybe 10 times and i've always just watched him do drugs for 15 minutes and then tuned out like yeah yeah you get you get <laughs> but you get a contact just from watching it on youtube oh my god I, 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 the I mean, amount he's ripping he's like, I'm huge telling you guys heads. right now you don't have any idea he's eating gummies <laughs> rip, doing palm <laughs> rips that's japanese stars <laughs> of death he calls them oh i mean how many milligrams are those things like 500 milligrams <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's, like, I mean, like you know that that's a that's a special make because you can't if you go to the stores you can only get 10 milligrams everything's 10 milligrams because they made it legal even with a prescription it's yeah, 10 milligrams right they used to have these great kiva bars that were like 45 and you could just take that and snap it in four pieces and go okay that's cool well, and that's what happens people didn't realize you're supposed to snap the bricks off those ball of those candy bars well the great thing is like now at least the, the, the it's always been a delivery system like you know you know before you know you would eat a brownie and you get that piece where all the butter gathered in the corner and you just have to eat that and now you're on the airplane you're having a meltdown in reactor number three and like, oh, <laughs> and you just got to put your sunglasses on and put your earbuds in and listen to your music. It'll all be good by the time you land. Yeah. You know? Well, that's I know a lot of people who've had major freakouts at the Denver airport because they everything they bought in Colorado before they're flying back home to where it's not legal so they can't transport it. And they're like, I, I bought all this. I don't want to waste it. So they eat you know, as much as they can of what they still had left because you don't want to throw away good weed and then lose your mind in the Denver airport yeah, waiting for your plane. Look, they're not looking for that at the airport. They're not looking for that. They're looking, you no. know what I mean? They're not even Doug looking. Doug Benson told me that. I could, I could not believe. Who, Doug Benson? Yeah. He's like, dude, they don't care at all. They don't. They're not looking for that. I mean, that's why, you know, I, I mean, I know people that travel with it all the time. And what you do is you take it out of those wrappers and you put it in your little bag. Like, I have the cookies. <laughs> well, if they're not looking for it, why do you got to take it out of the wrapper? Well, well, just because, just in case they do stumble across <laughs> it, they see it. And you, I put them in a sandwich bag and I, I put, like, here, Daddy. Like, uh, <laughs> my, I got my daughter. 
my daughter packed me some cookies <laughs> for my trip. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, that's cute. Throw them back in the back. Here, Daddy. <laughs> Why would you do it? Go all that work. I'm not looking for it. But just because, just in case. You know, there's Daddy. a couple cookies. Oh, uh, isn't she Daddy, cute? Daddy, you know, so, isn't she cute? Here, why don't you have yeah. one? <laughs> You're a TSA guy. Have one of my daughter's cookies. You eat the cannoli. <laughs> How was I supposed to know my daughter's making weed cookies? <laughs> yeah. I took her to Williams-Sonoma for a bacon crocker I oven. Know. I thought she was making regular cookies. I didn't know my daughter's dinner making weed cookies in her Betty Crocker oven. My daughter's a weed Come dealer. Come with me to my house. Let's arrest my daughter right, together. TSA agent. My daughter should be apprehended. I got to go catch my flight to Boston. Anyway, good talking with you. Yeah, good talking with you. Here's her address. All right, we have Rick on? Not yet? All right, we'll get them next. Do one more story, Val, please. Uh, Bill, I only mentioned this story because you brought it up earlier this morning off the air. Uh, TLC has signed Dr. Pimple Popper to a second season. Oh, God, no, please don't watch that show. That's the chick that pops cysts. Yeah, I guess so. I've not watched it. I think it sounds awful. I watched just one segment of it and uh, Scarred for Life. This guy came in with a cyst the size of a softball right above his knee. And he was saying how painful it is because he keeps bumping into everything. He's like, every time I open a door, walk through an aisle, he's like, I'm bumping this thing and then I'm in pain for an hour. And this guy's wearing shorts, like short shorts. I'm like, hey, dude, it's only MC Hammer pants for, for you from now on. Yeah, I sit up there with the short shorts. Just a big, huge cyst. He's got and a moose knuckle, bro. He's got a moose knuckle and a cyst. He's coming in there with his moose knuckle assist. Which one should I pop first? The moose uh, knuckle. Or they drain this thing, and it's just it's gross. cottage it's, cheese that feels oh, like a bedpan. Oh, oh my God. That's so gross. so nasty. Well... You're up for season two. Oh no, thanks. Yeah, who watch? But that's what I'm saying. Who watches that? I don't know. Like why? Must Bert, be somebody. Bert turned me on to it because Kreischer watches that with his kids, and he said he's obsessed with it. Well, oh. that makes well, cool. sense. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. he's just <laughs> where people come in with like uh, like an ingrown blackhead or something like oh. that, oh. and it's oh just my God, oh, that's it's so nasty. Oh. Yeah, I get. I come in. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to watch uh, it. I, mean, yeah. I get it taken care of, but I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> watch it. I need to it. witness that. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like you know, it's like you, you know, you just get done you, your salad. You get your salad that you made for yourself. You try to eat healthy. You sit down and you watch the news. It goes. Uh, we were calling lettuce fifteen hundred times. Oh God! Yeah. Was that blue cheese? Was that? Uh. And I, I just want to get this in. A uh, big show tonight at the Hard Rock. It's a fundraiser for the Center for Victims, which is uh, uh, an organization that helps people heal from trauma and harm caused by all forms of violence and crime. Uh, the show tonight features Billy Price, Frank, Frank Vieira, Billy the Kid, Miss Freddie, Kenny Blake, and a bunch of others. It's pay what you want at the door. So please be generous when you go tonight. Again, that's at the Hard Rock. And if you want more information, there's a link on my Facebook page. Good deal. This is the first Crack the Song Sky I ever heard from the album Safety in Numbers, which was a 1978 uh, record. They were one of the biggest things going for a long time and poised, as many industry people and critics thought, to break through to this realm of prog rock superdom, like bands like Yes, ELO, Rush, Kansas, you name it. They were mentioned in the same breath, but for some reason it never happened on that same level, though they never stopped 
having the same level of respect amongst their peers. And of course, one of the founding members of that group has long been a dear friend to us here at DVE. So we were really psyched to see yesterday that Rolling Stone magazine did a uh, profile on the band Crack the Sky and the lead guitarist of that band and our good friend Rick Witkowski joining us right now. Ricky! What's up? Andy B. How much do I owe you for that uh, for that nice intro? That you don't owe me. I am indebted to you forever, my friend. Are you no, kidding me? Oh, man. It's, it's unbelievable. The, the attention one little article gets. I can't believe it. Well, you know what it is, too, though, Rick, is that you've been a part of the music scene in Pittsburgh and such a prominent member in so many different ways for so long that I don't know. It, it never occurred to me that the new generation of artists in town, they might not realize how many huge uh, things that you've accomplished in your career, you know, prior to just being the guy who does everything here in Pittsburgh. And this awesome uh, story in Rolling Stone yesterday really helped to illustrate how big Crack This Guy was supposed to be. I mean, almost. we were almost famous. Almost. Man, it, it, like, what do you think? It Was it just a serious lack of a hit? Was that the only thing that, pre- that prevented you guys from moving to that next level? I, yeah, I guess so. I, you know, we had, um, there, it, it was a number of things, I, I guess, but for whatever reason, it just didn't have, we, yeah, we didn't have that hit, hit song for sure. And the first record that came out, we were, we were on a label, um, uh, called Life Song Records, and it was the, uh, producers, Cashman and West, and they, their big act was Jim Croce, and we were signed to their production company, and they were, uh, they were, you know, pretty much in, you know, a folk, folky pop kind of label, and and they, you know, put out our record, and it's, you know, we're 180 degrees from Jim Croce kind of. Yeah. Thing. Uh, and uh, and they were independently distributed, and it was we weren't part of a big major label thing, so there were some issues there. They we'd be out on the road and. You know, we play venues and there'd be no product in the stores for people to buy. And, oh yeah, you know that. It's like the stuff. the big star story, the band Big Star, same thing. Oh yep, I guess so. Yeah, kind of, and and little things like that. Um, and and you know, no, the big thing I probably is not getting that uh, major uh, radio song when all the radio stations in the country playing the, the same song. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that never happened for us. And, Hey Rick, are you on? Uh, are you? We're getting Life a bad. Support, yeah, it sounds. It sounds like you're calling from jail. <laughs> we, uh, are you on a cell phone? Do you have a landline near you? Yeah. You want me to call you back? Yeah. Call Joe back. You know the number to call Joe back. I guess. The, yeah. I guess this number I'm on right now. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's it. Call. Call him back on that if you don't mind. I'm gonna do that right now. Okay, because yeah. I want to keep talking to you, but that's popping pretty good there. Okay. Okay. All right. That was, that was hilarious. <laughs> what are you, a life support? I just, I just started hearing the beep, 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 and then he said that was great. But, I, you know, that, that might have been a different story for these guys in the age of social media, you know what I mean? Like that, sure. Like self-promotion. Now, yeah, self-promotion now, but you're right. That, that makes, uh, wow. But the, if you like... Yes, this kind of stuff. Like I love this kind of I stuff. I mean, crack the sky. I'm gonna go. I'm actually. Are they? I'm, I'm gonna probably go download some of the stuff. No, you should check them out. Like they did these really cool, intricate compositions, and they wrote some really melodic Beatles influenced things too. Right. Just never cracked through to the next level. Yeah. But, but you know, there's a lot of people out there like that. That you know, like you know, it's. But, but, but man, that's great. This is them right now. Yeah. And they oh, do all that cool, odd metered stuff. I mean, very sort of rush. 
Yeah. I can see right through your eyes. I can see right through your weary eyes. Yeah. Oh, this I would is listen awesome. to this all day long. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Ricky, you know how much I love that song, <laughs> Nuclear Apathy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah that's, uh, that's a good, and that's one of our uh, open, open, we usually open with that. Foot. You know, you told a story in the uh, Rolling Stone article about playing up in Erie, and I'm guessing you played at the Erie County Fieldhouse with Frank Zappa. Yes, we did. And I, I know, yeah, you, wow. re- you recorded the same place uh, in Canada as Rush did the, uh, their albums, on the lake there, you were telling me about that. I can't remember the name of that studio. Lake Studio in Montreal. That's the, it. the owner of that was a guy that he recorded um, uh, John and Yoko's bed in, you know, that live mm-hmm. thing. And, and then he, he had this unbelievable facility in the, the mountains right outside of Montreal. It was like a ski resort. And, um, yeah, that was... I, I got to do... I'm like Forrest Gump. I, I, I just backed into so many... <laughs> I, I had so many... <laughs> Cool things happened to me. I can't. I can't believe it. And I'm still. I'm still hanging in there. I. I. Uh, I mentioned in that article, and, and this is the true thing. I, you know, I signed up for Social Security, and the same month, and I signed this record contract. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe. It. Crack the Sky <laughs> has signed a new record deal, and uh, yes. so like, what do you guys? What? Is the the future holding for you guys? All new material? Are you re-recording old stuff? Yeah, both. We did both. Like this label, this is a label called Loud and Proud, and they they have a lot of lot of retro acts, and they have some some new acts. Their, their staple act is Leonard Leonard Skinnerd, and um, they came up with the idea. You know, they they know that most of the world doesn't know about Crack the Sky, and they said we should re re-record some of the early stuff so mm-hmm. we did do a thing called crackology we recorded we picked 12 songs uh and did those plus we have a, a brand new record also um it's gonna be gonna be dropped next week actually that's uh, i cannot wait to hear it man i want to hear some of these songs re-recorded too with like modern uh, recording techniques yeah and hopefully you'll pick up a bunch of new fans too like, totally. you know so what's old is new again you know as all that stuff is that is the game plan, and that, that's and our record's called "Living in Reverse," and like the the new record, we ended up and that's kind of like my we we went on an audio exploratory to looking back to see where we were going to go. We went and tried went back and tried to capture some of that old mojo uh, when a band would get together all live in a room and work up their parts, and then. And then play the songs and then record them. We didn't get to do the whole album that way, but we did some stuff like that because you know, we all live in different parts of, of the country now, and uh, the whole band, uh, every most of the guys in the band have their own little home studios. So we a lot of times we just fly parts in. Everyone yeah. just exchanges parts, but but we did do some live playing on this one. I didn't realize you had the Brecker Brothers and David Sanborn as a horn <laughs> section on yes, uh, uh, recording. That's I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, three of the four Mount Rushmore modern session guys. I know, I know. I couldn't believe it. In that story, uh, you know, we had five minutes to go in, in the session. We, we, you know, they, it was very, and, you know, they're like triple scale guys at that point. Right. We were at CBS Studios, and, and they, you know, we had these two songs we wanted to use them on, and we spent like 50 minutes trying to get this one the uh, song we had charts for, and, and then... Uh, it was ready to leave, and we just said, hey, can you just listen to this one part of the song and just do what you guys do? They had a band called uh, 
Dreams. They were in a band, and it was like Billy Cobham was the drummer of it. it was oh wow, killer, killer, My killer band. Yeah. They were like a, a you know just a more jazzier, more fusiony uh, Chicago Blood Sweat and Tears type band, mm-hmm. and uh, they used to do this Dixieland funk kind of stuff. You know, they would just play off each other. So we literally. Just the way you said, when we come to this point, I'll point to you and just start playing. And, and that's what happened. And so that on the song She's a Dancer on our first album, that track of the horns is just, just happened just instantaneously. They never heard the song or just start playing. And it was kind of cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so last thing. I got to hear about this when you guys played with Zappa. So what, uh, what year was this? That's a good question. Um, uh, I think it was definitely in the seventies, and I, I tell you, I, I, it was whenever. Here's how I uh, can remember uh, the uh, You know, remember the Beatles uh, movie, the satire, the, the Ruddles. I think it was called. Yes. It was it was being premiered that night, and we were just so torn. You know, we're playing in a field house, and then we tried. We got done with our set, and we all went to go watch the Ruddles on on TV. So whatever year that was, I don't it know. was. I just found the poster. It was November twelfth, nineteen seventy six. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and there was a snowstorm, so he ended up having to. You know, their their, their gear didn't get there, so uh, they ended up using our gear. So it was kind of cool. So, so Zappa's band used your gear, and then you were in a snowstorm. I'm guessing uh, you guys threw down with the Zappa and his band of uh, merry men. Well, yeah, you kind of. You know, they they were they stayed at the same hotel and stuff, and we ended up, you know, all going over, hanging, and having having a few adult beverages, and and then he he didn't uh, he didn't show up for a while, and then all of a sudden he was there. And we were, we were trying to get it. I was trying to get his. We thought maybe we'd get his attention a little bit, and we were acting a little silly. There was a lounge band playing, and we were kind of dancing with each other, just acted stupid, and thought he thought he'd get a kick out of it. But he he really he just looked at us and just, uh, he just wanted didn't to have ch- much to say. Then we went and talked to him. He was he was very nice, very very uh, very uh, kind of humble. You know, oh yeah, didn't, didn't have. Too I much would not have thought that. Yeah. Uh, um, well. Ricky, you also was Robert Robert Fripp your guy? Oh, he was one of them. I I would definitely, but uh, yeah, Jimmy Page, I'd say number one for me. But Robert Fripp, yes, absolutely. And I, I got a cool story about it. We got, I used to work for me and Palumbo would work security for a, a production company. You know, they used to try to keep people out of the aisles and keep people from going backstage. Then King Crimson played uh, the Stanley or the Byam Theater, I think, or one of the theaters in town. And when they came on stage, everybody started rushing to the to the stage to to watch. And and I, me and Palumbo also, we just got down on the floor. It was just like, wow, this is Peter. And I got tapped on the shoulder by another security guard saying, "What are you doing? You're supposed to be keeping people out of the house." <laughs> and I was like, "That's Robert Fripp. That's Robert Fripp. I love him." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can see you doing it. <laughs> Uh, so we're looking forward to the new Crack This Guy, and I, like I told you before, I hope you guys somehow can manage to come in and play live on DVE. I think it would be great. I hope that will happen. I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to that. We're, we're working on a Pittsburgh date, trying to get a, a Pittsburgh date secured. But uh, as of yet, we haven't got one uh, ink. But when that happens, I'm sure maybe we can uh, come in early, play play for you, and then go play for the people. That would okay. be great. Well, I'll see you at uh, hopefully sooner, but at, at uh, the latest, I'll see you at uh, Voices Carry for Auburly on October fifth. Yes, you 
will. I'll be there or I'll be square. Well, okay. yeah, and you you never say no to charity stuff, man. You have done so much for for charities around town, and anytime DVE calls, man, you're always there, and we love you. Randy, it is in giving that we receive. I try to live by that. I do. Thank you. And so I, I love giving. Well, then you, you must have a boatload. Uh, there's one this Sunday coming up. I could get a get a plug in Vincentian yeah. Rocks. It's going to be a Jurgles with Donnie Iris and Joe Grishecki and Kelsey Friday and Clinton Clegg is going to be there. So this this Sunday I'm doing something nice. Sweet. All right, show up for that. All right, Sunday uh, <laughs> and, the Vincentian Rocks. Yes, at Jurgles. Good deal. Hey man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and, and we'll post that Rolling Stone article so people can read more in depth about Crack the Sky. If you don't already know, I think the upper uh, uh, tier of the DVE audience certainly knows about it, but uh, a lot of people on the younger end might not know how prolific and important and what a big deal Crack the, Crack the Sky was. So, Randy, you're, thank you so so much for for all you everyone at DVE. Thank you for so much kind words that you throw my way, and and I just really appreciate it. Thank you. Ricky, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Take care. Okay. Peace and love. DVE Sports. All right, Tim Eds with a quick sports update as we get ready for Packers-Steelers tonight, the second preseason game for your Pittsburgh Steelers. It's brought to you by Jared, the Galleria of Jewelry, a jewelry store where they sell rings, something that Ben Roethlisberger has two of, Jalen Ramsey. That's right. (laughs) Just as a subtle reminder. Ben went to Jared. Get to that in just a second. Uh Got to talk about the Steelers game tonight at 8, 4 o'clock start for the pregame show here on DVE. I'll be on with Rob King and with Dale Lally. Then the guys take over for the network side at 6 o'clock, play-by-play at 8. A chance for us to see the camp darlings and what can they do in game two. Guys like Damon Patterson, the out-of-nowhere Youngstown State wide receiver who, against your Eagles... Jimmy, lit I'm it just, up. I'm just so happy football season's starting again. Me too. I'm so excited, yeah, me man. Too. I can't wait. Yeah, but he, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm going to see what the, the Eagles are going to do this year. But I actually think that Doug Peterson's a great coach. I think they're going to have a real shot at repeating. You know. Yeah, a lot of people who are saying they're one and done. I don't. I don't buy that. I think they've got plenty of talent. To well, they got 22 of the 24 players still on contract. I mean, Nick Foles is still in the contract. I mean, that's your. That's a problem. Like you, you your backup quarterback is Nick Foles. You know, I mean, that, that's just, your backup mm-hmm. quarterback could start for half the other team. And I don't know why, like, it's funny, because, like, you know, and you read his backstory, like, he thought about quitting two years ago. I mean, he comes mm-hmm. from money. He wanted to actually go into being a, becoming a preacher or whatever the deal was, but, I mean, he, he gets along great with that organization, and him and Carson Wentz are good buddies, so, I mean, I think that's amazing. So, see what Patterson can do after going to Philadelphia, 77 yards, touchdown, six catches. Uh, finishing when the ball was in out. One interception, I know I could have came back to the ball. I, I ain't no defender behind me, so. On the interception? Yeah, on the interception. I probably could have attacked the ball more, you know, then on the, I had a deep ball that Mason targeted him. I probably could have got vertical. You know, technique things I could have did correct. It wasn't uh, it wasn't anything the defender did. It was more me not uh, bonded to the game. I can see the look at your face, Jimmy. He talks faster than he runs. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a sub four five guy, so no, that's, he, that's, that's, he's pretty fast. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Mike Tomlin. Now you know. Remember when they had the two dogs, one bone thing? You remember that when oh, yeah. uh, Jay, yeah. uh, back when Emmanuel Sanders was a third round pick, and they had AB who was a sixth round pick, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they're trying to figure out who was going to be the starter. There's one spot available. Well, can they do that now with Patterson and with James Washington this year? You know, the A.B. and Emmanuel Sanders story is only interesting because they became A.B. and Emmanuel, (laughs) you know. uh, There's been other aspects of that. You know, there's Cortez Allen and Curtis Brown. You guys don't ask me about that two dogs, one bone. (laughs) You know, so um, 
We'll see. Yeah, we're, we don't ask because we're trying to be nice and hopefully let you forget about it because that went <laughs> right. so wrong at the cornerback position. Uh, the other guy that was sort of like an out-of-nowhere guy who performed really well in Game 1 was Ola Adnini. Last time I was on with you guys, we talked to Ray Fittipaldo yeah. about him. He wears number 92. He's built like James Harrison, undrafted, out of the MAC. comes in with that cast on his hand, gets a sack against Joe Callahan, strip sack. Uh, can he replicate things, and can he continue the number 92 connection here? Um, obviously, those are you know good comparisons, but you know I try to do my own thing. I ain't trying to be in anybody's shadows. You know, I'm trying to stand out, and I'm trying to make a name for myself. Have people brought that up to you, though, before? I mean, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. But, you know, like I said, I'm just trying to make a name for myself. It's unavoidable. And I'm not saying he's going to be James Harrison. The storylines are just so similar there. And Harrison right. wasn't Harrison for the first year he was here either. No, he might end up first a practice squad guy. And right. we might be projecting a little bit too much based on those similarities. But, hey. Hey, Harrison could never do the Black Panther impression that Ola did. No. So. The, the camp's... He's got the edge there. Yes, he's that good. Uh, And then there's the Pirates. They lost 6-4 in Minnesota. They got the Cubs here for four. And then uh, one other story to throw out here. Ronda Rousey Mm -hmm. is campaigning to be in Kill Bill 3. And now she's gotten the endorsement of Vivica A. Fox, who was in the original Kill Bill, so that she would be a great protagonist for Kill Bill 3 after her time in MMA and now the WWE. I agree. Isn't that the worst movie sequel idea of all time? Not the lead. No, not it, the lead, but like, yeah. you know, a typical Tarantino one-off bad guy character. Wasn't she in... Well, she was in uh, The Expendables 3, right? Right, I mean, yes. She's, yeah, but I, I can't I, imagine her being a good actress, though. Yeah, that's... Well... Because Uma Thurman was great. Yeah, but I mean, I mean it's, those movies aren't about acting. I mean, they're just, no. just about the violence. Yeah. Action. Well, well, she could do it. Well, unless she's in acting classes and, and she's gotten good at that, maybe she could. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not, if you could be an MMA fighter, I, I believe that you could probably do anything well if you put your <laughs> mind yeah. to it and discipline to it and actually worked at it. I think you could do anything well. I mean, what's, yeah. what's WWE? It's acting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, acting, I wouldn't call acting. Expendables That's 3 acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, who, I didn't go to see Expendables 1. I actually was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wow, this is great. I just had a great feeling because it reminded me of all those movies I saw when I was a kid. The mindless out. stuff. Yeah, the mindless. Yeah. But oh, yeah, actually, the Stallone's movies. become quite the uh, filmmaker. I mean, he's he directed those. Mm-hmm. You know? From Throw Mama to the Train onto the Expendables. Yeah. He's, he's, I he's, thought it was from the train, not to the train. F- from the train. On the train. Throw her Under on the train. the train. No, he didn't do that one. He did, uh, what was the dumb one he did? Oh, don't stop, stop her, my mom will shoot. shoot. Yeah, yeah, that, that was really ridiculously bad. No, but look, he Hello. won an Oscar in his first go at, at uh, filmmaking. Was, you know, hey, pretty good. Not bad for a guy, you know, for Philly, who was actually, who did the Italian Stallion, that late porn, that, yeah, that, that soft, yeah, exactly. such core, soft core thing. He was an extra in a Woody Allen movie, you know? If he could just stop getting his brother to do all the uh, the background <laughs> music. Well, I got to tell you, if you watch the 25th anniversary edition of Rocky and you hear the backstory to all those things that went wrong in that movie, yeah. that they actually thought it was Perry King, because he was in Lords of Flatbush, so they thought it was the Perry King character they were doing the movie Rocky about, and the guy's watching him, when's this, when's this guy Rocky show up? And they go, that, that, that is him. But everything went wrong. <laughs> he was supposed to have a bunch of extras at the skating ring. They couldn't afford him. So he goes, we'll just do this thing where I talk, and, and all these little happy accidents that happened in the film that yeah. made it. And then he thought he was making a boxing movie until he did this one scene with uh, Talia Shire, 
And then he goes, then I realized I was making a, a, a love move, but the robe showed up. There were different colors. It's a the boxing post. movie. Yeah, but it was. No, no. <laughs> it's it's a love the boxing movie. I, it is a boxing you know, movie. I, I, I get it, but it was, but it has all those elements of a great, like one of the greatest uh, uh, screenplays ever written. You I know? don't disagree with you at all. It, it is you know, one of the all-time greats. You know, if I could just go 15 rounds, you know, maybe I wouldn't be a ham and nigger anymore. You know? yeah. Yeah, it could be the guy. <laughs> Stan Savern in studio when we return. Oh, yeah, the DV Morning Show. Stan Savern joining us right now. Now, as uh, well, off the air, we are getting into a, ro- a little rocky talk as Jimmy Schubert's here. Um, but you were telling us, and I had no idea that the major fights back in that day, all of the Ali Frazier fights were pay per view. Yep. I thought they were always all network broadcast, but pay per view wasn't how we know it to be today back then. You couldn't order it to your TV. No, I mean, obviously the technology didn't exist. So right. what you did was um, various theaters, uh, movie theaters. Uh, that's where I saw Ali Frazier 1, which people don't understand um, if you're not of a certain age. Unfortunately, I am. Uh, March 8th, 1971. It was more than just an athletic event. I mean, it was societal because yeah. sort of like today, but a different elements. You know, you had the establishment, you know, young Ali. Uh, Joe Frazier, ironically, a sharecropper, sharecropper's son from South Carolina, moved to Philadelphia, was the hero of the sound majority. Here was this, you know, largely uneducated black man who became the hero of, you know, the Nixonites because they didn't like Ali because of what he represented and the draft thing. Um, and I, I was working in Oklahoma then. Uh, I think it had just gotten statehood uh, it should be revoked immediately <laughs> uh, we went to oklahoma city uh, me and three uh, three uh, buddies of mine and we went and there, there was a movie theater and you know in oklahoma city they, you know would show movies like any other movie theater and that's where they had it uh, i recall seeing uh, fights via pay-per-view uh, at the civic arena uh, and in other venues, and, that, and that's that's where you went. They didn't, you couldn't get it at home. You couldn't, you know, see it on your television. So you had to go out and uh, and pay. Naturally, they figured, why put it on network TV? Despite the rates that they would charge, um, and there was the rights fees to the networks. What you could make in pay per view, you know, Bob Arum figured all that out. And the first Ali Frazier fight, um, certainly the thriller in Manila. Um, his fight in awesome. Zaire yeah. against Foreman. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Rumble in the Jungle. Rumble in the Jungle. I mean, anything that Ali did, and then, of course, other people followed suit because there was a paying audience for it. How mm. Do you remember how much that they charged you to watch the game at, a, at the Civic Arena? Because I, I, th- I mean, be you honest, just make you know, a ton of money doing that. Well, being the typical fat, freeloading sportscaster, you know, <laughs> I didn't have to pay. Uh, but I, I do remember something like, this is 1971, uh, in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think it was uh, Confederate currency still there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to say it was like 20 bucks or something like that. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah. You know, we're on there. And then, for the thriller in Manila... I was doing play-by-play for a world football football league team in Orlando, Florida. They're called the Florida Blazers. The league lasted a year and a half. In any event, it was October 30th, 31st, 1974. Uh, I love the day. Ali Frazier yeah. 3, right? Thrill in Manila. And we had a game in Birmingham, Alabama the next night. So Almost we, as big of a deal. 
<laughs> Almost, yeah. <laughs> well, they, those two teams ended up playing for the another story, World Football League Championship, the Florida Blazers from Orlando, and the Birmingham, whatever they were, Americans. Elsie Greenwood had signed to play with them the next year, but they folded. So we played what was called the World Bowl at Legion Field in <laughs> Alabama. And Birmingham beat my team 23-22. to When the game was over, the Sheriff's Department of Birmingham had hundreds of trucks lined up to repossess the Birmingham team's equipment because they were in arrears for taxes. I mean, the whole league was going bankrupt. But really, they won the championship. You know, they're dancing around. And all of a sudden, while they're doing that, the, the, the police are in there taking their equipment, to, you know, for, for sheriff's auction. But anyway, so we get in there, and we had thought, where is it going to be shown in Birmingham? That's great. Um, so my color guy... Uh, who was all a TV sportscaster, still a good no, friend. <laughs> We're huge Ali fans. He might even a bigger Ali fan than mm-hmm. I was. So we go to this place, and we find out where it is, and we get tickets, and we go in, and we're looking around, and what would you expect to see in Birmingham, Alabama? And we we didn't open our mouths because we had to figure that they were part of the white Joe Frazier. And we were, we were afraid to say anything because I figured, you know, those, you know, hey, boy, you know, yeah. and we the fight starts... And all these, pardon me, rednecks, we, well, we thought were rednecks. And he never judges a man by the color of his neck, but go ahead. No, exactly. Um, you know the old uh, story, I can see red when I yeah. get mad? Yeah, you could see yeah. plenty of that there. Um, <laughs> I would say 90% of the people at that theater in Birmingham, Alabama, were for Ali. It really? stunned me, yeah. yeah. And there was these guys behind us, and they were all, you know, wearing boots, and, you know, they had their camels, you know, up in their sleeve and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we were afraid to say anything, really. Um, yeah, but that that whole thing was like, if Joe Fraser, like, really gave Muhammad Ali, he said, yeah, the fight him, but he used to lend the money cause he was for his family and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and then he started calling them all those names, which was getting yeah. in his head. But, I mean, that was really kind of, you see the documentaries on that, you go, that was. He really was, a bad side of Ali. I mean, you know, Joe yeah, Frazier yeah. was a good man. Yeah, right. He um, didn't he he hated Ali all the way up into his death, didn't he? No. no well, he I mean, not not while they not while you know they were first starting out and while they were opponents, but when Ali started to taunt him and call him, you know, he called him a um, an Uncle Tom. Yeah, all that, kinds of that names. really hurt Frazier a lot. And during Ali's exile, he, financially, and Jimmy's right because Ali lent him money and then. Ali gave him money to feed his family. Right, like he helped him out a lot. A lot. In fact, he gave him like permission, like to get reinstated. He he went to bat for him, going, "You should really reinstate him so we can have a fight." And went to bat for him. And then Ali pulled that side, like you said, that bad side of Ali. But yeah, Yeah, it was a bad side. You know, I I love the guy, but that that was not. You interviewed Ali before, right? On a couple, yeah, three. Did you ever approach that? I emceed. an exhibition boxing match that he gave in Orlando, and then afterward, I had dinner with him. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, we were not at the same table. There were like 25 people uh, in this private room at this hotel in Orlando, and he and his wife, I I think it was Porsche at that time, I don't remember. He had, you know, it's like three wives. Um, They kind of sat at a table by themselves, Um, but uh, he was like 10 feet from me, and one of the biggest mistakes of my life, a buddy of mine said, could you get his autograph? And I'm, I, I don't like to do that, but I did. And I got it on a cloth napkin because that's oh, where right. we were eating. And I didn't get one for myself. Oh, I was just embarrassed. I, I would have told your buddy, I'm so sorry. Me. I couldn't get you one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that exhibition in Orlando, it was one of the most amazing experiences. 
the media there, uh, including me, after I, you know, I was the ring announcer. I was like, you know, Jimmy Buffer or whatever his name is. Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer. Yeah. I'm thinking of Jimmy Buffett. Uh, hey, actually, everybody, here's Muhammad <laughs> <Bahamut Ali. laughs> Come on over here, parrot. Um, he held court in this little locker room they had for him at this place. It was called the Orlando Sports Stadium. It was actually used for rodeos and farm shows, but they had boxing there, too. It was anything but elegant. And he's entertaining the media. And this is about... This is April of 75, so it's like five, six months um, after he'd beaten Foreman in Zaire, yeah. the rope-a-dope. And so everybody's asking about the rope-a-dope, and he is explaining what, how the rope-a-dope worked and whatever and what he did. And I was standing right in front, and I had a little box tape recorder. You know, he still used tape recorders back then. Mm-hmm. And I had it, you know, up, get it recording. And he said, here, give me that. And he grabbed it from my hand and put it on a table. He said... And he put his hands up by his face, and he said, here, try to hit me. He said, don't, don't punch me. He said, but try to. And I was, you know, slapping him and so on, you know, trying to slap him. And <laughs> he was slapping Muhammad Ali. And, dope and all that kind of stuff. And it was it's Give tiring. me another autograph. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Give me another autograph. Come uh, on. Or I won't take you to dinner. You, uh, I'll lend you some money. Forget Joe Frazier. Uh, and I'm doing this and, you know, trying to, you know, get his. And he's blocking everything. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how long it went on. It seemed like for hours. It's really tiring if you hold your, just hold your hands up for three minutes and see what how shape they're in and after about whatever it was all of a sudden he leaned back and he threw that left jab right at my face right at my nose the one that sort of backed yeah backed off he backed off and then boom and he he pulled the punch i'm telling you within a half inch of my face and his fist looked bigger than the sun and I mean, I jerked my head back, and he pulled the punch. He wasn't going to hit me, but it. And everybody, all the other, you know, guys yeah. laughed and everything. I was scared. It was frightening. Um, <laughs> I think that led story. to my heart condition. This, right. That's why the title of Stan's book is "The Day I Punched Muhammad Ali" by <laughs> yeah, Stan Severn. Yeah, he had big hands, man. He definitely oh, he had, hands. and he was so lightning quick. And of course, he was known for that jab. And I mean, it was just he was just you know fooling around doing that. I'm trying to hit him, and he's just blocking uh, punches. The rope would open, and all of a sudden he just leaned back, and boom! He shot out that piston, and <laughs> it was scary. Did you, didn't that, you have sound from from yes. an interview with him that you had a couple of years ago that you were trying to? I, I, I get did. I did transferred it. and remastered. I, I had the tapes um, on three separate interviews I did with him, and uh, with the help of Brian Price here and some of the other people, they transferred it to a DVD. Uh, a CD, excuse me, so I could play it on my show, which I did, and um, it was done in nineteen, well, seventy four and seventy five. Um, it's awesome to hear you, you know, the, your younger man, my voice. younger voice, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was just. I love the recall, the dates. Oh, yeah. I, mean, Stan, I, I love that. Steel That's trap. So yeah, steel, steel trap. trap. Sports guys do that. <laughs> Getting rusty. Do you remember a boxer named Vinnie Curto? Yeah. He, well, he used to do stand-up for a little while out, out in the comedy store. In fact, he actually fought Marvelous Marvelin Hagler, but like there was a B.B. King concert in like, Boston. He goes, uh, and if you look on the dance floor, there's Vinnie Curto and Marvelous Marvelin Hagler going at it, and they were. They kind of like didn't like each other. They fought during a B.B. King concert? Yeah, like <laughs> in Boston, they were like like... Kind of had to break him up and right. stuff. Like maybe, maybe they thought it was a Don King concert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Vinnie Curto was a like that guy. Like even just messing around, like kind of like tapping the kidneys. I mean, like you know, you had to go, yeah. you'd, you'd pee blood for like right. a month. I mean, <laughs> people don't realize how, how like these guys hit you. It's no if, joke. If you've ever sat ringside 
at a professional boxing match, and I had actually did some blow by blow on radio. Jimmy did a lot of blow by blow back in the day. Yeah, but okay. that was a different kind of story. I'm sure you felt better after than they did. Yeah, but uh, now, but now they would lock you up for just using the straw. Is that a straw? They would have kept. Is that a plastic straw? Is that a plastic straw? Get him! Get him! All right, we we have to go, Stan. I hope you can continue that story on your show today. Who's on the show? Uh, on the show today, um, I want to talk about uh, why tonight is a really important time for Josh Jobs, Dot Josh Dobbs and the Steelers. To get a job. Uh, to get a job, yeah. whether it's here or somewhere else, not going to be here. Uh, Mark Madden will be on at 1220. It's Stan and Guy Day, noon to one. We're asking the musical question, why is it that wide receivers are the divas? Why are they the only position generally... And it's not just here, it's everywhere. Why? I think I have some ideas and theories about that. Stan Saver, noon to 2, ESPN Radio, 970, 106.3 FM. Thanks to Rick Wachowski for joining us. Check out the Crack the Sky profile in Rolling Stone magazine, and congrats to them on their new record contract. And our buddy Jimmy Schubert, thanks for hanging out all morning long. Arcade Comedy Theater tomorrow night, 7 Spring Saturday. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, All guys. right, man, we got to go. See you. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him tight, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. <laughs> Now you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.